0: This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A
1: Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous
2: offers. Worker of yours. WPHD,
3: WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cheery Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, Rich Zioli.
4: The first Biden impeachment inquiry is underway. There was more looting in Philadelphia last night, probably more on the way for tonight. And uh, the presidential debate last night, the Republican debate. Did you watch? I watched. And I have lots of thoughts. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. It is uh, Thursday, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here today. Uh, Right off the top of my head, I'll tell you uh, from last night's debate, and I mean this sincerely. I really do. I mean this. I, I I, will still, no matter who the Republican nominee is, I'm picking that person over a Democrat. I, I really am. Because the Democrat Party is just freaking nuts. It's nuts. That said, I, last night was a little bit of a, of a clown show in many respects. And... Uh, you know, I, I watched it because it was my job. I don't know how many, if you watched it, let me know your thoughts. I thought there were there were way too many little little like shecky moments last night. Way too much talking over each other, yelling over each other. Poor Doug Burgum barely got a word in edgewise. Uh, you know, look, it's it, there's, there's too many people on that stage. That's the problem. There's too many people on that stage. And it's going to be like this as long as you have that many people on the stage. I mean, it's just the bottom line. Uh, Trump's lead is at this point insurmountable. I love how last night Dana Perino, who I thought did a you know, fine job, she best she could do in the circumstances, but she asked Ron DeSantis a question of, how do you possibly think you can make up the gains here? What's the numerical pathway given Trump's insurmountable lead? And he didn't really have an answer for it. He doesn't. None of them do. I mean, that's the bottom line. DeSantis will live to fight another day, though. He he did better last night than he did in the first debate. I thought bringing up his military service last night was a smart move. I thought saying he wanted to get us out of Ukraine was a smart move last night. Uh, But, you know, Trump's lead is just it's insurmountable. And I noticed today Governor Glenn Youngkin was on Fox News. And there's the Washington Post today has a story about him saying, well, the uh, the Glenn Youngkin candidacy for president, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, if I'm Glenn Youngkin, I'm taking a hard pass on this. I really am. I'm taking a hard pass because Trump's lead is just too insurmountable at this point. And this is not it's just, it's just he's gonna be the nominee. It's just the bottom line. He's gonna be the nominee for better, or for worse. That's just the way it's going to be. And the danger that Yunkin runs right now, the danger for him is that he jumps in the race and he winds up becoming Ron DeSantis in, in the sense that he doesn't have the ability to translate his success from Virginia on a national scale. People get angry at him for running against Trump. You know, the question is really for DeSantis at this point is he's not going to be the nominee. He's not going to be Trump. He did better last night. Probably did the best out of anybody last night, except for Doug Burgum, who was on fire. But... He's not going to be the nominee, so how much damage has he caused himself at this point? He was on fire after he won his re-election in Florida. He made a lot of Trump people angry by getting in the race. And look, I mean, nobody's entitled to be president, so um, you know, everybody has a right to run. I don't think that should be that big of a deal, but a lot of people feel angry at him saying he should have shown loyalty to Trump. So that's a problem for him, but that can be forgiven. But it's more about the fact that he was on such a high, and he's come... Really down, back to earth now, and you know if he if if in four years he runs again, that's people are going to remember that, you know what I mean? People are going to remember that, and I think Glenn Youngkin's in the same boat. And it may not be them. It may just be a product of the fact that just Trump's lead is just is just that big. And, and people within the Republican Party just love the guy and they're voting for him no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter how many indictments, no matter how many judges come out against him, no matter what, they're standing with Trump. And that's just the political reality of the time we live in. In four years, it would be a much different story. Obviously, it's going to be a much different story in four years. But for right now, you run the risk. I think at this point, any other Republican runs the risk of of looking like you couldn't get it done and then people are remembering that four years from now. It's a problem. But look, these guys also have a timing problem, too. I mean, DeSantis is now in his second term as governor. So if he runs again in four years, he's going to be the former governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, or at least be approaching that point in 2028. And the governor of Virginia has a six-year term. So... He doesn't he he also has a, a time issue here. You know, if he waits this this time out, which I think is a smart political move, he will be the ex governor of Virginia by the time 2028 rolls around, too. And being an ex obviously doesn't bring with it necessarily the same kind of uh, gravitas that being. A sitting governor does. But at the same time, there's still such a craving for outsiders within the party. And I don't think that's going to change. I mean, Trump obviously wasn't a governor. Trump wasn't a senator. Trump wasn't a former governor either. And he got the nomination in 2016. And I think he's going to get it again in 2024. I don't have a crystal ball here. I can only go with the data and the information I have at this moment in time. And in this moment in time, that's what I see happening. I, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't know you know if an asteroid hits the earth and there's a zombie apocalypse. And I don't know those things. But based on all the facts I have before me right now, that's how it's going to play out. What changes uh, as far as the primary? Nothing. Nothing I see changing here. Whether Trump's incarcerated or not is not going to change things. I mean, he could be sitting in a jail. He's still going to win the nomination. But the general election is a whole other animal. I mean, As Democrats are now coming to the same reality that I, I've, I've been saying now for a long time, Trump's going to be the nominee as they're as they're accepting this reality. They're getting very, very nervous here. And it's like what Bill Maher and James Carville said yesterday in that podcast. And they said, you know, 75 percent of the people don't want Joe Biden to be the candidate. You run any other Democrat and they, that person beats Trump. They're acknowledging Trump's going to be the nominee, too. I mean, what was not said in that podcast or maybe it was, I just didn't hear that part. But, you know, James Carville and Bill Maher uh, agree that Trump's also going to be the nominee, So, their point is, you nominate any other Democrat besides Biden, he beats Trump. So, what's the party doing? What are we doing here? What are we doing with this old codger who's got to wear tennis shoes and he falls upstairs? But he's the president, and he may not want to go anywhere. I think he will not be the nominee. I mean, my, my sense of it again, my prediction is, and I've been wrong before, but my prediction is Joe Biden will not be the nominee. I don't think he can be, but it may not be that easy to get the guy out of the race. He is the incumbent president. And he does have the party control, and, and, and his people, more importantly, do. Forget Biden. You have to remember that within the presidency, there's a, a whole cadre of people around you. And in Biden's case, they're all much more lucid than he is. But they control the levers of power in the Democrat primary. They don't want to give that up. They do not want to give that up. Because they all have their own people. You know, The Biden people hate the, hate the Harris people, and then if Gavin Newsom's the nominee, he brings in the Newsom people. Every politician has their people. And a lot of these time, the, the times, you know, people will jump ship, so to speak, to help out in a general election. But then by the time the dust settles and that person gets in the White House, it's like, all right, well, thanks, but get out of here. I want my people around me. And so the Biden people don't want to give up that power. Biden may not be calling the shots. He may just be maybe a puppet regime at this point. But the people who are in charge, they certainly don't want to give that up. And they're not going to give that up without a fight. But there are Democrat power brokers, masters of the universe in the Democrat Party who realize now that they're they're probably going to be stuck with another term of Donald Trump's presidency unless something radical changes here. That's the reality they're 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 waking up to here at this point. I mean, everybody on that stage last night, to me, looked like it, it looked it looked like a, a, somebody said it best on Twitter. I forget who it was. And it was somebody in the zilly army who said it felt like I was watching a vice presidential debate last night. Yeah, that's what I felt like, too. That's what I that's that's the exact same kind of sense I got out of it. Some people are auditioning to be part of Trump's cabinet. Like, like, for example, I mean, Doug Burgum, I think would be a great secretary of energy. The guy had a really a couple of really important points to say last night about China and EVs and also about Biden's disastrous energy policy and how China's destroying the earth, mining for the minerals for the for the EV batteries, literally destroying the earth. And he talked about North Dakota being an oil state being one of the biggest energy states in the country. He'd be a great secretary of the energy, of the energy department for Trump in his cabinet. Vivek Ramaswamy obviously is going out there to take shots and he has a lot of very important things to say. He's got to get a voice at the table. Christie continues to either prove that he has no political skill whatsoever or he's the smartest guy in the room and is doing all of this just to help Trump because every time he takes a shot at Trump, it seems like Trump's poll numbers go up i would tell you what Christie should do. What he should do is call it a day and run for Senate in New Jersey against Bob Menendez. Because there's new polling out there that shows he would beat Menendez in a general election. Even though he left the governor the, the, uh, the governor's office very unpopular. Uh, people have short memories. And, and if he ran for Senate, he, he could potentially beat Bob Menendez if Menendez is the candidate in 2024. So that's what he should do. I mean, politically speaking, it would be the smart move. Because where does he go from here? He's not going to be the nominee Trump hates him at this point, unless Trump loves what he's doing for him, because, you know, he makes his dumb Donald Duck jokes last night and it falls flat and looks embarrassing for him. But, you know, Trump just calls him a slob and moves on. So where do you go if you're Christie after this? You go back to this week with George Stephanopoulos? Seems like the guy's itching to do something. So it seems like that would be the better move for him at this point. But he seems pretty stubborn, so I don't imagine he's going to get out of this race anytime soon. As far as uh, Nikki Haley, I I, I got to tell you, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. As much as I would vote for any of those people over a Democrat, I think Nikki Haley's going to get us into another war. It, it, to me, she just sounds like such a warmonger. I know that there's a lot of people in the party now that have this fascination with her. And they think, well, if DeSantis can't do it, maybe they should rally around Nikki Haley. What I heard out of Haley last night, there were not things that I particularly liked very much. And I think that Nikki Haley is that kind of old school Republican neocon that I I don't think is good for us. And I was disappointed to hear Tim Scott say we should stay in Ukraine and push back Russia and we got to stop Russia. And, you know, the next move is Poland. And I was disappointed to hear that. I was happy to hear Ron DeSantis say we need to get out of Ukraine. I was happy to hear him say that. He's, uh, he, he, Botched the first time he was asked about Ukraine a while ago, but since then he's come out and said we got to get out. So I was glad to hear that. And obviously that's Trump's message. And I think the reason why Trump is doing as well as he is for a lot of reasons, I mean, a big part of it is his ability to connect with working class people, something I have not seen a politician do quite like him in my lifetime. I mean, he's this billionaire populist, but he connects with the working man and woman. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. You know, the plumbers, the pipe fitters, the auto workers, they love the guy. Union workers, they love the guy. The, the, the guys and gals who work for a living love the guy. And he has that ability to connect with them in a big, big way. And probably because he grew up around a lot of those people working in various, you know, construction and real estate and everything else. But he also says, we got to get out of Ukraine. And I think, The Republican Party wants to get out of Ukraine. I think that there is still the old guard of the Republican Party, the Mitch McConnell's of the world, Lindsey Graham's, that element of the party that obviously wants us to be there forever and ever. I don't think the average voter thinks that way. I don't think the average Republican voter believes we should be in Ukraine forever. I think they want to say enough is enough. So I think, you know, if Nikki Haley were to somehow emerge, she's not going to. But if she were to become the nominee, if she were to be president, I, I, I predict we get deeper into Ukraine, the Ukraine conflict. I think the same thing with Christie, the same thing with Pence. Um, Ramaswamy has good things to say about that as well. You know, saying that this this is a mistake. Ukraine is a mistake. But let's be honest. Trump's going to be the nominee, like I said. The rest of it is just kind of noise. The rest of it, you just have to wonder, what what, what happens next? We, we can't sustain seven people on a stage yelling over each other and talking over each other and making their little cracks. And Mike Pence has to stop with the jokes. Shecky Pence, you know, jokes about sleeping with a teacher. Like, enough. Like, stop with the dad jokes. Stop. And Christie's little digs, you know, calling Trump Donald Duck. Stupid. It's, it's got to it's stop. It's not, it, it, it's, there are serious issues facing the country right now. And a lot of last night was noise. It really was. A lot of it was noise, I felt like. But that's what's going to happen when you get seven blowhards on a stage together. You get that many people on a stage together, and you're going to have that. You're going to have everybody talking over each other, everybody wanting to try to get their spotlight. Poor Doug Burgum, like I said, only got in a few, uh, a few comments here and there. Poor Doug. The Bergen bros were not happy, all 12 of them last night. We're not happy with the fact that Doug Bergen barely got anything to say last night. So that's how I view it. That's my quick analysis of it. I'm trying to, very hard to really not speak ill of, uh, of the Republican candidates, but I always, like I tell you, I always call balls and strikes. I try to give you my objective analysis of things. This is how I've always done it. I've always done it this way, and I get a lot of hate mail for it. In 2016, I did it this way. And I had either depending on the day, either Trump supporters were mad at me or Ted Cruz supporters were mad at me. And it's just the way I play it. I I don't play it, actually. I just I call it. It's I call balls and strikes. If I think a candidate did something right, I say it. If I think a candidate did something stupid, I say it just how I operate. And I think it's why you trust me. I hope it's why you trust me because I don't have some ulterior motive here and some secret agenda. I'm not helping any of the candidates this cycle around. I wouldn't because I obviously helped Trump in 2016, so I would not feel right about helping another candidate at this point. Unlike all these other turncoats who you know, flip and then want to write books, I have no interest in doing that either. I'm also too lazy to write a book. Well, that's not true. I've written a book before, but I have no interest in writing another one. A tell-all anyway. But the point is that I'm not. I don't have an agenda. I really don't. And it's not even a matter of having a dog in the fight. There's no dog to have. Trump's the dog. He's going to be the nominee. So that's where things stand. On the Democrat side, though, it's a mess. It's a mess. They have a real problem with this president. They don't know what to do with the guy. These hearings today, these impeachment hearings... You know what they show? The American people, they show that Joe Biden is corrupt and crooked. And the Democrats are so terrified of all this coming out. They spent the entire morning today arguing on procedural grounds, procedural reasons, parliamentary reasons why they should not continue with this impeachment inquiry. And all I kept thinking to myself was, if you guys think Biden is innocent, why are you so afraid of getting all this out into the open? Oh, man, you know, Ophelia Duff protests too much. They were protesting over and over and over this morning about even just having the hearing. And they're very nervous about all this corruption coming out because, let's face it, Biden is deeply unpopular. Democrats don't want him to run. The economy stinks. And we're, we're in this mess with Ukraine. And a lot of people wonder if it's because it's of Biden's corruption. We see China, China making moves around the world. We People wonder, is that because Biden's corruption? And either way, even if they don't think that, they certainly think, man, me and my family are sucking wind over here and this corrupt SOB making millions of dollars off his office And people don't like that. It's one thing to deal with that when the economy is good. You're living high in the hog. Maybe you could put up with corruption, but not when you're hurting, not when your family's hurting, not when 85 percent of the people. I think that was the statistic they used last night. 85 percent of the people have real economic worries every day of their life in this country. We do. My family does. Of course we do. We all do. Everybody does. And when you think about that, from that perspective, and you turn around and say, how is it that all you guys were able to get so rich off your office? People turn around and say, you know what? You, 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 you got to go, you slime bag. You got to go. All right. 855-839-1210. Uh, 855-839-1210 is the number if you would like to uh, weigh in. And everything we are discussing today, more chaos in Philadelphia last night. I'll break that down for you as well. And I'll give you the latest from the first Biden impeachment inquiry hearing. What details have come out from Chairman James Comer and Jim Jordan and some of the other members who have spoken today. This is the beginning of letting America know about the Biden family corruption. It's an important part of what the constitutional job is by the Congress, which is to ensure that the president of the United States of America is not compromised by foreign powers. Okay? lot to chat about on a Thursday. Don't go away.
2: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart
5: knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: the only Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
4: All right, so, first of all, let me uh, just say thank you to... Uh, let's see, thank you to SFS Dad, just a dad on Twitter. Yes, I, I misspoke when I said that the governor of Virginia has a six-year term. I meant four-year term. One four-year term. I was confusing that with the term of a U.S. senator. Uh, so thank you for calling me out on that. I... Always try to be accurate in what I say. Sometimes I make mistakes, like I'm only human. Uh, but yes, Glenn Youngkin only has a four-year term, one term. He's term limited in Virginia. He can run again, but he's term limited. He can't have more than one consecutive term. So that means then that he would be a, the former governor of Virginia, or you know, he'd be looking to run again for the governor of Virginia. Either way, it's not it's not a, it's not a good spot to be. If you're Glenn Youngkin and you want to, you know, run for president, so there's always a timing issue with these things. But I, I still think he's got more to lose by jumping in the race now. I really do. Just given Trump's lead, if this was if this was a, a different year, different candidate, it'd be a different situation. But you know, Trump voters are incredibly loyal. They're not choosing Trump as the lesser of all evils. They're choosing Trump because they genuinely want him to be the president. You know, there, they're, sometimes you choose candidates over, it's the lesser of all evils, and you just got to go with that person. You, you say to yourself, well, you know what, they're better than any Democrat, and just the way it is. Trump's voters want Trump, period. And that means that if tomorrow, you know, he he decides he's not running or whatever, of course they'll find somebody else. They're not, not going to vote, but I mean, well, some may have not, but I think most of them would say we still have to stop the Democrats from winning. But in the absence of that, it's not like somebody else is going to get in and they're going to turn around and go, oh, well, now I'm not with Trump anymore. He has a loyalty in politics that I really have never seen before. It's it's very rare. It doesn't normally happen. And. What people have to understand about that is it is an anomaly in politics. Most people, politics is very transactional. That's why you see people who are popular at one point and then they're not popular anymore. Within the Republican Party, though, the loyalty that Trump has with voters is something that is an absolute political anomaly. Nobody else has it and nobody may ever have it again. It may be one, a one and done kind of a situation where this guy comes along and he connects with people like nobody else and they just love the guy. And it, it doesn't help. I mean, the Democrats don't help that by constantly going after him and then making people feel more loyal to him. But you think about as popular as some Republicans are after a term or two, you're like, I can't stand that guy or I can't believe I ever voted for that person. Or that really has not happened with Trump and it never will with his people. And, and that's that's. That's the issue for Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis thought getting in the race, he would turn around and people who were going to vote for Trump would say, oh, well, DeSantis is running. So now I'll go with him. It didn't happen. It's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen for any of the other candidates on that stage either. So if if Youngkin gets in, it's also not going to happen for him. Now, the Republican establishment, though, will not stop. Make sure you know that. I mean, they're not going to stop. The people that want to stop Trump. I remember I had a conversation with somebody, I don't know, back in, I guess it was the late winter. And they sat me down and they were talking and they said, you know, Trump can't win. Everybody's got to get behind DeSantis. And I said, well, first of all, DeSantis isn't running yet. But if he does run, he's got to convince people of that. That's not my job. That's not your job. That's his job. He's got to do that. If he wants to be the party's nominee, he's got to go out there and convince Republican voters Trump can't win. And he can. And he hasn't been able to achieve that. He has not been able to do that. And that's not going to change. It's just not. And if you are a stand supporter, again, I'm not trying to, to I, I like him. I think he has a lot to offer. I think he's a very, very good governor. And I think he in any other year, in any other time, he probably would be the party's nominee. But this isn't any other year. This isn't any other time. It's the time we live in. And that's a fact. Can he, um, will people forgive him for running against Trump if Trump wins? Yes. If Trump, people can forgive a lot of things in politics. They certainly can. But the bigger problem for him is not the fact that Trump voters are angry that DeSantis ran against him. In the future, it's going to be, dude, we thought you were going to be the guy who was going to stop him and you couldn't. And what does that say about your prospects in 2028? Because You know, that's also a political reality that people are now waking up to and saying maybe everything you had in Florida just doesn't translate on the national level, you know. So, like I say, I, I call balls and strikes here. I really do. I call balls and strikes. To me, it's more interesting that way. I don't particularly think you want me to push you in a direction. I don't think you'd be pushed anyway. So I don't view that as my job, certainly. And I, I'm not trying to play some Jedi mind trick on you either. I'm just telling you the way I see this whole game played. And I love watching it. I do. I feel, you know, politics to me is my sports. So I watch this stuff the way probably people watch football games and, and baseball games. And I analyze all these things. And, and for me, I've, I very much, as I'm watching these things, feel like a commentator. You know, I, I feel like Merrill Reese watching the Eagles game. I, I feel that way when I watch these things. And yeah, I I, I mean, I, I root for the home team being the Republican Party, but objectively in a primary, I step back, I look at it, I observe it all, and I see how this plays out, and I see how this is all going. You have some people that are never, ever going to stop trying to stop Trump from becoming the nominee. They are hell-bent on the idea that if he's the nominee, the Republican Party loses. But the problem for them is... unless every other candidate drops out of the race tomorrow and it's a one-on-one fight, and then in that moment, I still think Trump is the nominee. I still think he winds up becoming the Republican nominee at this point. Any chance DeSantis had to stop him was a very brief window that has since been shut, I think. So no matter who it is up on that stage, if it's one-on-one, I still think he gets the nomination at this point. And that may have, in the end, more to do with him than it has to do with any other candidate and just that absolute undying yield to Donald Trump as a candidate that you just don't see in politics. You just don't see it. So he, within the Republican party, he's more popular now than when he was president within Republican primary voters And and the same people that were never Trumpers then are never Trumpers now. I mean, not much has changed in that respect. And at the end of the day, what Republicans are going to have to figure out, even the ones that don't like him, is what are you going to do if he's the nominee? Are you going to let there be another four years of Joe Biden? But more importantly than that is the question that voters who hate him are going to have to ask themselves. And this is where I have said for a long time, I think whoever the Republican nominee is wins. I do. I think if it's Joe Biden as the candidate, whoever the Republican nominee is wins. Because Americans have are, they're fed up with with this administration. They're fed up with him. They're fed up with the administration. They're fed up with the economy. But I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know what's going to happen. You know, if Gavin Newsom's the candidate, the guys, a slick talker, I would hope everybody would say we don't want America to be like California. I would hope that would be the case if Michelle Obama does run. And I know, Susie, she's probably not going to. But if she were to run. Does that change things? Probably in a big way. It's a scary proposition. That's why so many people are talking about it and lamenting the idea that it could occur, obviously. Uh, So here's some audio from last night's Republican presidential debate. I'll play a couple clips, and I also want to talk about the first impeachment, obviously, that's going on of uh, Joe Biden. This is about airing Biden's corruption out for everybody in the open. It's not about impeaching him. He's not going to get impeached. Maybe he'll get impeached in the House, but I don't even think that. I think this is more about just letting the American people see what's going on and letting the media fall into that. As the media goes on and talks about how there's no evidence of corruption trying to hold Biden's water. But actually, there's a lot of evidence of corruption and everybody can see it. Here's Jim Jordan from today's impeachment hearing uh, talking about what this is all about. Cut number two.
8: This is a tale as old as time. Politician takes action that makes money for his family and then he tries to conceal it. Never forget four fundamental facts. Hunter Biden gets put on the board of Burisma gets paid a lot of money. Hunter Biden's not qualified. Fact number two, to sit on the board. Not my words, his words. He said he got on the board because of the brand, because of the name. Fact number three, the executives at Burisma ask Hunter Biden to weigh in and help them with the pressure they are under from the prosecutor in Ukraine. Fact number four, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine on December 9, 2015, gives the speech attacking the prosecutor that starts the process of getting that guy fired. Those facts, by the way, are consistent with what the confidential human source told the FBI and the FBI recorded in the 1023 form, the same form that the Justice Department didn't want to let this committee see. And all those facts, all of that was further confirmed yesterday with the information that the Ways and Means Committee released from the whistleblowers Shapley and Ziegler. Here's a communication from Hunter Biden to an executive with Barisma. Devin and I do feel comfortable with Blue Star strategy, the, uh, strategies and the ability of Sally and Karen to deliver. Hunter Biden put Barisma in, in touch with Blue Star strategies. What were they going to deliver? Well, that was in a communication release yesterday as well. U.S. officials in Ukraine and in the United States need to express support for Barisma and Nikolai Zalsevsky. To the highest level decision makers, the president of Ukraine, the president's chief of staff and the prosecutor general. That's what they were going to deliver. And were they were they successful? The interior minister confirmed that Zolachevsky is no longer wanted. We won in less than a year communications between the folks at Blue Star and Eric Sherwin who was Hunter Biden's business partner. Uh, uh, partner, Awesome work. Congratulations to you guys. Those are the communications. That's what they got done. And remember, when this happens in October 2016, when, they, when the pressure is taken off, the case is dropped against Olichevsky. this is the second prosecutor. Joe Biden fired the first one. The second prosecutor comes in, drops the charges. That's exactly what they wanted done. And the final step, the final step is the Biden Justice Department tries to sweep it all under the rug. They slow walk the investigation. They let the statute of limitations lapse for the most important years, 14 and 15, the Burisma years when all that income's coming in. They try to put together this sweetheart deal and get it past the judge. And we learned yesterday in the search warrant warrant examining Hunter Biden's electronic communications, they weren't allowed to ask about political figure one Political figure number one is the big guy, is Joe Biden.
4: Political figure number one being Joe Biden. And I I mean, all this is out there. All this is for everybody to see. And you and I are smart people, so we can absorb all these details and we can figure all this stuff out for ourselves. But remember something, most people driving around are not going to get into like Zelensky and Jachevsky and, you know, all these different names and all this person, this person. So you might ask yourself, well, what is the purpose then of, of going into all this detail and describing all these things and and, and being so specific? It's really not to confuse people it's really not to to make people you know say this is boring i'm tuning out what it really is is about showing how extensive the layers of corruption are because the more that that's out there the more that people see that and realize that the more they turn around and say you know what this this is there's too much here to ignore with this guy there's just too much and the more that democrat power brokers realize that this is too much to ignore So uh, there's political justice and there's criminal justice. There's never going to be criminal justice against Joe Biden as long as the Department of Justice is there. But the reason why the Democrats went after Trump was over a phone call, right? A phone call to Zelensky. It's easy to understand. He called the president of Ukraine. He said, I want to find dirt on Joe Biden. They made it very simple for everybody to understand. The challenge for the Republicans right now, quite frankly, is to make it very easy for everybody to understand driving around with the kids in the car, driving around to work, whatever, and going Zachevsky, Zelensky, whatever, g-g, they got to make it very easy for people to understand. I think they'll get there. I do. I think they'll get there. I think they'll have a very easy way to make people understand this, but right now it's about connecting the dots. And, and as they're connecting the dots and more things that connect directly to Joe Biden come around, and the bigger it seems, the bigger this whole criminal conspiracy seems, I think it, the harder it is to ignore but they do have to find a way to make it very easy, where you can say in an elevator ride up with somebody. So what is it that Joe Biden did, and they can turn around, and they can say, oh well, turns out Joe Biden was making all these money from people, and you don't have to go into elaborate detail about it. You can just very easily explain it. That's going to be the trick. They can do that, great. Then they have a leg up on it, and that's that's what that's what needs to happen here. As far as uh, you know, the the Democrats and what they're trying to do, Jamie Raskin who's a scoundrel, total scoundrel here. He opens today during the committee by saying, first of all, he tries to stop the whole thing with procedural movements, tries to just throw it all off with parliamentary moves. And you gotta ask yourself, if you think Biden, if you think there's no evidence here, why are you trying so desperately to get them to not continue with the impeachment inquiry? Huh, Jamie, why? What are you so worried about? Cut number four.
9: Counts is what Donald Trump wants, as Republican Representative Ken Buck, a Freedom Caucus member, told CNN the other day, President Trump has gone on his social media account and said we should be impeaching President Biden. Kevin McCarthy said we have an impeachment inquiry. You draw the conclusion, directly or indirectly, this impeachment inquiry was a result of President Trump's pressure. So we moved from a Trump-ordered government shutdown to a Trump-ordered impeachment process, and yet back in the reality-based world, the majority sits completely empty-handed with no evidence of any presidential wrongdoing, no smoking gun, no gun, no smoke. In fact, we have had to slide awkwardly into a House impeachment process without the benefit of the floor vote that Speaker McCarthy insisted was absolutely imperative and necessary.
4: Well, look, you know, uh, the protesting by the Democrats says it all for you. It really does. It says it all. Democrats are very nervous about all this, but they're more nervous about the fact that they they, they know Joe Biden's going to lose. And this just doesn't help. You know what I mean? This just doesn't help the guy. So they're, they're very worried. And they keep bringing up Trump, you know, Trump and MAGA and the cult of MAGA. And you're just doing this because of Trump and blah, blah, blah. And MAGA Republicans. Then they scream about a government shutdown as if they should not be doing this because the government may shut down. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about that. If you have a reason, a constitutional reason to go down this road, you should. And I'll tell you right now, Congress has a responsibility to ensure that the sitting president of the United States of America is not corrupted by foreign regimes that may, may be controlling the movements of the United States of America vis-a-vis foreign policy. The Congress has an absolute responsibility to make sure of that we have to know we're not in Ukraine because Joe Biden is, is being bribed by Ukraine. We need to know that we're not allowing China to run roughshod around the world because Joe Biden's getting bribed by, by China, you know, in a big extortion plot. We need to know these things. It's important Whether it's 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 sexy and whether it's flashy and whether it's easy for voters to understand is secondary to that fundamental question of what is the responsibility of the United States Congress and the responsibility of the United States Congress under the impeachment clause is to make sure that the president, in addition to just not being a king, in addition to not being corrupt, that the president's foreign policy is not being dictated to by a hostile foreign power or a friendly foreign power for that matter we have to ensure that fact and right now from where i sit i can't tell you with a straight face that yeah i know that we're in ukraine because joe biden really believes we should be in ukraine i can't say that i have no idea to me it looks a lot like joe biden's being being bribed by ukraine like like ukraine knows the goods and if we don't do exactly what ukraine wants ukraine will let the whole world know about the goods i hope i'm wrong i really do But it certainly seems that way. Congress has a responsibility to the American people to ensure that the President of the United States does not have his foreign policy dictated to him by a hostile foreign power, period. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Okay. Cooper University Healthcare is South Jersey's leading academic health system. With more than 100 locations in our region, there is a Cooper near you for your family. That's right. Including, of course, the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. Life-saving, game-changing cancer care right in our backyard. World-class Healthcare and the Cooper Neurological Institute doing amazing work on stroke, Alzheimer's, and dementia. There's also Cooper Urgent Care for all of everyday life's everyday urgent care needs. Take your family to Cooper Urgent Care. See, the difference with other urgent care centers is that at Cooper Urgent Care, you're seen by the very same physicians, nurses, and providers who are on the front lines at the region's number one, level one trauma center. So they see and deal with the, the the absolute biggest emergencies. They're the same people who help your family with life's everyday urgent care needs. And Cooper is fantastic. They are committed, they are compassionate, and they are complete. And as the only family, we use Cooper for all of our health care needs. So reach out to them today for an appointment for your family by going to cooperhealth.org, cooperhealth.org, or call them at one 800 Kate Cooper. Get an appointment today from primary care to all kinds of specialized care, more than 75 specialties. CooperHealth.org.
3: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app.
4: I thought Nancy Mace did a good job today pushing back on Jamie Raskin's BS. Of course, she said the whole word, so we had to beep it. But uh, she was pretty fired up today at the hypocrisy of Jamie Raskin, the ranking member, who was the guy who spearheaded not one but two impeachments of Donald Trump. In fact, Jamie Raskin served as an impeachment uh, lawyer against the president. During the impeachment inquiry of the of Donald Trump. So here's Congresswoman Nancy Mace today. I thought she did a really good job going after him. Take a listen.
10: 2019, Representative Raskin didn't think a House vote was needed for an actual impeachment inquiry, and to quote uh, Representative Raskin, he said in 2019, there's no formal constitutional or statutory or even the House rule for how an impeachment inquiry is to begin, and so it means different things to different people. I don't want to hear another word from the left or anyone across the other side of the aisle about impeachment inquiry. This is complete and total hypocrisy this morning. Today, we're going to bring the facts. Today, we are going to bring the evidence. In 2017, the Joe Biden family teamed up with Chinese company CEFC to make millions off of granting access to Joe Biden. Hunter even arranged for Joe Biden to share office space with the CCP-aligned company CEFC. My Democrat colleagues say none of this is relevant because Joe Biden wasn't vice president while his family did these shady deals. Turns out that's complete and total bullshit. It's a lie.
4: Good for her. And Matt, there's more of that. If you can grab a little bit more for me as well, that would be good. She, she does a nice job more, of breaking it down. Want. Oh, you have more? Yeah, go ahead, please.
10: Hunter Biden referred to access to his father as the keys to his family's only asset. Those words are going to come back and haunt Hunter Biden and his family forever. Yesterday, the Ways and Means Committee released an FBI memo on the interview they had with Tony Bobolinski, a former Biden partner in crime. I'll read a bit of that right now. The work conducted by CEFC, Gilear, Walker, Hunter Biden, James Biden, and Yee over the preceding two years was discussed in detail. In particular, CEFC was closing significant investment deals in Poland, Kazakhstan, Romania, Oman, and the Middle East during this period of time period of time is in reference to the years 2015 and 2016, when guess what? Joe Biden was vice president. As an aside, Rob Walker in previous testimony also confirmed that Joe Biden attended a meeting with the head of CEFC. So now we know CEFC was working with the Biden family while Joe Biden was vice president. And I'll continue reading from Tony Bobolinsky's report.
4: Good. See, again, it's it's very clear. It lays it out. But again, I got to ask the question, you know, is, is China driving foreign policy in the United States of America? I mean, take green vehicles, for example. China's all over the EV thing. You know, they're doing all the mining. They're destroying the earth they're, they're mining for these precious minerals. They're supplying the parts They're supply the green energy deal, for example, benefits China tremendously. So I'm sorry. I'm going to ask the honest question right now. Is all of this because China, Joe Biden's compromised by China? Is a lot of it driven by that? China's ability now to do whatever the hell it wants around the world with, with, with seemingly no repercussions, no, no interest by the United States of America, this administration, to actually figure out the origins of COVID-19. Is, is, that, is that also because China owns Joe China, Joe. Is that why? See, this is why whether or not it's sexy and whether or not it sells on the evening news is irrelevant. Congress. We're all adults here. Congress has a responsibility to ask these questions. Congress has a responsibility to ask these questions before the United States of America loses any more of its sovereignty or any of our enemies around the world get more powerful or we waste any more money and 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 because of the fact that there's a lot of evidence here that Joe Biden is corrupt corrupted by these countries and it's no surprise that our foreign policy with Ukraine with China with Russia is is not in our best interest not in our best interest in any way shape or form so is it just a big coincidence that it's not in our best interest or is there more to it? Because Joe Biden is compromised by these entities. That is what Congress has a constitutional responsibility to figure out. I don't care if Morning Joe doesn't like it. I don't care if people go, I don't know, Zel- Zelensky, Jojewski, whatever, and change the, change the station. It's, it's not about that. Congress has to understand this and figure this out because the United States Department of Justice is not going to, period. So if the Justice Department does not then who else does? That's literally the job of Congress. It's literally why Congress is there and has the oversight and the impeachment ability. It is to look into these matters. There's enough suspicion there to make us all believe that it's possible the president could be compromised. And as long as there's a possibility, Congress needs to explore this and they are absolutely doing the right thing. on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. A lot more to say. Big 4 o'clock hour straight ahead. The latest on the looting in Philadelphia. Plus, the government is still trying to censor your speech online. Don't go away.
3: Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons 3-7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
4: well, you heard it there. More looting in Philadelphia last night. They went after liquor store again because everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to eat. And uh, Meatball gets a $25,000 bail. Meatball. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. It is Thursday. And we are just getting through the week here, which is great. Uh, but, yeah, another crazy night in Philadelphia last night. And, you know, look, I mean, it, it's, it's national news. It's international news. Everybody's talking about our city. Everybody's talking about it. And Meatball streamed the looting in Center City and police tractor. That's the story that I have today. I, I, I'm going to tell you again. I told you yesterday. And I'm going to tell you one more time. Don't look at the bathtub video of Meatball. Don't do it. Don't. Don't do it. I'm not, ta- I'm, this is not a Jedi mind trick. I'm not telling you to actually do it. Don't do it. I saw on
11: uh, Twitter last night, there were members of the Zioli army that did uh, venture down that path. Didn't heed your advice. They looked at the image and they regretted it.
4: I think Road Warrior had the best description.
11: <laughs> yeah, his was excellent.
4: He posted a, a, the little uh, clip of the guy throwing up from Team America World Police. <laughs> Look at this point. Whatever you do, it's on you. I, I bear no responsibility for this. We've warned you. We've warned. We all three of us got sick last night. I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> and just thinking about it now, I can't eat. I know people think that you're joking, but seriously, do not look up that image. Yeah, don't look at meatball in the bathtub. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. Don't do it. I'm trying to help you here. I appreciate the fact that you've helped us achieve almost two million downloads in, in a year which thanks to our friends at Barrett News Media for writing about that today. That was very nice of them. Uh, and they also mentioned the Somali pirates. So thank you to Barrett. Yar. Did they mention our one Ethiopian uh, listener? It did not, actually. No. They left out the Ethiopian listener. Now, yeah. what are you going to do? I mean, I guess in their mind, two million, and then you have one. It may be a statistical error. <laughs> it's
11: very possible. Every one counts. I I do love that the one person in Ethiopia downloaded
4: once and then never again. Never again. One and done. The person in Ethiopia downloaded and was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) And then they were out. We need to win them back. Well, that's why we're going to do Ethiopian Fridays. (laughs) Special segments designed for the people of Ethiopia.
11: I actually almost looked up um, news in Ethiopia for today, but there was so much going on, I figured I'd save it for tomorrow.
4: Yeah, save it for a slow news day. Although today apparently is a slow news day. I got to thank my buddy Michael Pelka, stunt brain, for sending this my way. Uh, New York Post has a story today. We've been slicing pizza wrong our entire lives. This is the correct way. Apparently now there's a video posted to Instagram which shows Dallas-based content creator Raoheim Fariqui pulling perfect slices for a, from a pie thanks to the white plastic pizza saver that comes in most boxes. The Pizza Saver, uh, which I don't even—I'm trying to understand if I can. You know what it is? Here it is. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get this stupid article to load here, uh, but my my—they uh, said the iPhones are overheating. I guess that's maybe the issue. I don't have the new one yet. He's got this video, and I'm watching this. You know the little white thing that they have yeah, so on the, top of a pizza? The to t- keep yeah, the box. The cheese. Yeah, doesn't. it's a little so white table. The box. Yeah. Right. Right. Not every pizzeria does that, though. No. No. You. The pizzeria that I go to doesn't do that. No, usually it's like the Pizza Hut of the world. That exactly, and I think that that's what this guy does because he's got that pizza, and he takes the little white thing, and he uses that to separate the slices. And this has gone viral. And honestly, I think this is worse than watching meepo in a bathtub. (laughs) Because as I'm looking at this guy, this is definitely a chain pizza. It looks like Wawa Pizza. I don't look. I love Wawa. I'm a big fan. But do you know what kind of a cold day in hell would have to be for me to eat Wawa Pizza?
11: Yeah, I'm, I'm not rushing out to try it either. Oh, this is and barbaric. I love Wawa.
4: I love. I go to Wawa almost daily. I really do. But I got. I just feel like this is a stay in your lane moment. You know what I mean? I'm looking at the image right now. This is this is barbaric, Rich. It's barbaric He's what this guy's doing.
11: Stabbing each individual slice with the, stabbing it with the little white the tent. Yeah,
12: I thought he was like cutting it with it. I, I didn't realize that pre- the pizza was already cut. I'm not. I'm less impressed now.
4: And this has gone viral.
12: Yeah, you're just picking up slices. So <laughs> I don't care.
13: Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. I think we need to use, I think here's my suggestion for society, really. And I mean this just because something goes viral doesn't mean it's worth talking about. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean the New York Post should write a story about it. Just because something is viral does not mean it's worth our time. There's a lot of stupid people in the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, not everything is a life hack. Right. Not everything is a life hack. In fact, this makes me want to want to not eat pizza anymore watching this.
11: I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, but I still want pizza.
4: Michael Pelko also suggested that one day on a slow day, if we can ever do it, harken back to the water tasting days, we bring in crappy fast pizza, like Wawa 7-Eleven pizza, and we do a taste test on the air.
12: 7-Eleven is really bad, so I hope Wawa could beat that.
4: I hope so, too. I don't know. I'm not going to try it. I, I mean, love- again, and, and I love, I know I'm going to get in trouble from sales because Wawa sponsors everything. And I love Wawa. I, get, well, I get, get my gas at Wawa. I get hoagies from Wawa. I get coffee from Wawa. I get cigarettes from Wawa. Just kidding. I don't smoke. But if I did, I would get them from Wawa. But the point is, though, I'm not getting pizza from there. You know what I mean?
11: <laughs> I'm all in for the pizza taste test, though. Seems Let's like just it. a great excuse to eat pizza.
4: What if we do it at the Grand Hotel? Because we're all going to be craving pizza anyway and drinking. So we might as well maybe do it that day. I don't know. Uh, it's they, possible. They have such
11: great food there, though. I don't want to get stuffed off crummy, uh, you know, take out, uh, like basically fast food pizza. Yeah, but nobody yeah, out pizzas right. the hut. <laughs> There's <laughs> lots of people that out
4: pizza the hut. Nobody out pizzas the hut. <laughs> See, we're just spoiled because we live in a great part of the country with lots of good pizza. But, you know, sadly, you know, you live in the Midwest. Eh, You know oh, what I mean? Oh, it's bad. I'm just saying
11: my girlfriend is originally from Ohio, and uh, that's terrible. The pizza there is just <laughs> vile. Like even the stuff that they were saying, "Oh, this is the best pizza in Cincinnati." it's It's not good.
4: Ooh, you know, we have some very loyal Yoli Army members from Ohio. MJ and, and Susie cool. you're going to make them mad. I know that they, they must have good pizza there. <laughs> they don't
11: have good pizza, I'm telling you.
12: Well, What they lack in pizza, they make up for in Skyline Chili.
11: Their Skyline <laughs> Chili is okay. It's better than you would think. For anyone that doesn't know, Skyline Chili is basically spaghetti that they've doused in chili and uh, and cheddar cheese. It sounds repulsive, but it's actually not terrible.
4: It seems like I would die if I ate that. Like My diverticulitis would come back and I would just be instantly dead. <laughs> That's what it sounds like.
11: Yeah, I, it's definitely not good for you. Uh,
4: well, either way, I can tell you this. I can tell you that it's it's always um, it's always fascinating when I I think about the idea that you got to eat. Everybody's got to eat, and then they justify that to loot a liquor store. So, eighteen of the city's forty eight liquor stores remain closed. And are closed right now in Philadelphia. Don Stenzlin just sent me this from Patch. Some liquor stores in Philly area reopen after looting. And here's a list. Nearly all Philadelphia fine wine and good spirits stores reopened Thursday after widespread looting forced state officials to close forty eight stores in the city and one in Montgomery County. A representative for the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board said thirty nine of its Philadelphia liquor stores are open. And they have the list here. Officials said those nine locations remain closed until further notice, as they may require days or weeks of secure and repair. These are the ones that are still closed. Uh, North Broad Street, the shops at Brewerytown. Uh, there's one on Broad Street, North Broad, Lancaster Avenue, Baltimore Avenue, Erie Plaza, 22nd Street, Roosevelt Plaza and Adams and Tabor Center. Those are still closed. They're still closed as of today. I mean, it really is. It, it's it's such a mess. It's disgraceful. But it's also now a, a chance for everybody to take a good look at what's happening in Philadelphia and ask the question, how did we get here? And you know the, how we got here. We got here because of of woke prosecutors like Larry Krasner, who want to destroy America. That's what they want to do. They want to destroy this country, tear it down and rebuild it in a Marxist utopian vision. Sadly. And there is a uh, there's not a lot that Doug Burgum can do about it. But Doug Burgum actually last night after the debate made a great point. He said the problem right now is that you have a very you've got bad morale among police officers in this country. And a lot of people don't want to be cops. Doug Burgum's not going to be president, but he makes a very valid point. We know that that's true here in Philadelphia. We we know that that's an issue. We know that cops in the city feel like they've got a target on their back. And we know that they feel like the city does not have their back. And that's a big problem for them. But you know, you you look at all of this, and you think about you think about the 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 idiocy of somebody like Meatball, who was arrested on camera after going viral, and how the fact they can go viral like this in this day and age, and it shows you that we are as a society <laughs> truly crumbling. So Meatball was live streaming the the riding, as you know, Meat Meatball out here wilding, as as a lot of people have said on social media. <laughs> yep, and they got Meatball. As Sergeant Mark Fusetti said, meatball down. Meatball was down. They got meatball eventually. But something else about meatball that that a lot of people don't know of is that Black Lives Matter rioters were also out there looting a liquor store. Andy Ngo, who's a great journalist, was pointing that out as well. BLM rioters looted a liquor store in Philadelphia during a night of mass theft in the name of racial justice. So And somebody died yesterday in Philadelphia, too. Somebody who was out on bail from killing somebody killed another person last night in Philadelphia. So that happened as well. I mean, the city is is tearing itself apart. And the thing about it is I don't know what tonight's going to bring. But this affected other neighborhoods, too. Down in Society Hill, stores were closed. In, um, in in nice areas of the city. I mean, really nice areas. A lot of times you think about the open air drug markets in Kensington. You see the videos of that and you go, well, yeah, but that's not where people go. Well, stores are closing early because of the looting in Philadelphia in some of the very nice residential neighborhoods. And you know what that's going to mean? It's going to mean people are saying we're going to get out of Philadelphia. You're going to have more people wanting to leave the city now because of this. This is one thing if they go, well, yeah, you hear about crime, but it's not my neighborhood. When it starts coming to your neighborhood, when you start shutting down nice stores in Society Hill, posh Society Hill and other neighborhoods because of the fact that those stores are afraid that they're going to get looted, that's when people say, I want out. I'm done. And then they leave. By the way, the United States Senate today unanimously unanimously passed a resolution to reinstate the formal dress code of the United States Senate, which means that John Fetter person will now have to wear his big boy pants. It was a unanimous vote. Just happened a short time before I came on the air today. Uh, Late today, I'm sorry, late Wednesday, formalizing business attire as the proper dress code while on the floor of the Senate. Following bipartisan backlash, Joe Manchin and Mitt Romney led the fight. And now John Fetterperson will have to wear big boy pants. The new written rules include a coat, a tie and slacks for men. The resolution does not detail dress code for women members, but I don't think any women are going to be rocking bikinis now so in the remarks wednesday schumer said that an official dress code is the right path forward he said though we've never had an official dress code the events over the past week have made us all feel as though formalizing one is the right path forward i deeply appreciate senator fetterman working with me to come to an agreement that we all find acceptable and of course i appreciate senator manchin and senator romney's leadership on this issue clarifying the dress code was adopted by unanimous consent. Now, following the vote, the question, of course, is, will John Fetterman, of course, put on his big boy pants? Nobody really knows exactly what he's going to do. He may just still continue to defy it. It's very possible he may. But uh, I'm glad they're doing this, because I think that the United States Senate should have some decorum. I really do. I believe the United States Senate should have some decorum. It's important to do. Uh, it really is. So good for them. And and, and the idea that he was going to rock shorts and a hoodie on the floor of the Senate was just disrespectful. I make my son dress up for school. I do. I make Patrick look a little bit nice for school. Not nice enough, in my opinion. I mean, believe me, I, I'd love it if my kids had to wear uniforms, but... Claire today took her little tooth to school because she lost a tooth over breakfast. So apparently the kids, that's the new thing they do now. They bring their teeth to school. And then, of course, I told her, you better bring it home because um, if you don't bring it home, then the tooth fairy is not going to be able to come tonight if you put it under your your, uh, your pillow. But I'm going to just do an earmuffs thing right now. So if the kids are in the room, get them out of the room. All right? And um, I'll give you a couple seconds here to do that because I have to I have to give a gripe here. I really do. My children are eight. Patrick's almost nine, seven and three. And the tooth fairy in my day would come and give you like an Italian wedding, cold, hard cash. All right. I got a friend of mine now. Her daughter loses a tooth. She gets the daughter a friggin' teddy bear. So now Claire says to me this morning, well, the tooth fairy brought my friend a teddy bear, or a cat, something. I don't know, a bear, whatever the hell it is. She goes, so I hope the tooth fairy brings me a stuffed animal. I said, you know what? I think that was a one-off. I said, I think this is the Tooth Fairy is Italian. Likes giving people cash, you know, in envelopes. Like maybe gold bars. Maybe possibly, you know, like Menendez style. But other than that, <laughs> it's cash, baby. Kid, does everything have to be Christmas where we got to give presents now if a kid's tooth falls out? Seriously?
11: What is the going rate for the Tooth Great Fairy? Great question.
4: This is a very good point you raise, and I'll tell you what the going rate is, all right? 20 bucks and i'll tell you why it's 20 bucks i'll tell you why i'm gonna tell you why you want to know why kids have no (laughs) because kids have no idea what money is what the value of money is so whether it's a dollar or it's 20 bucks it it means the same thing to them but if you put a 20 under that pillow tooth fairy does i mean that 20 bucks coming back to you you know what i mean the bank of dad and mom it's a good recycling project you go, well, it's a lot of cash. I'm going to hang on to that for you. And, of course, it's Biden's inflation. It's inflation. You know, the tooth fairy used to be two, three bucks. Now it's $20, for $20 to get in the door. Uh, 20 bucks. Jeez. I don't need so, all my teeth.
11: Times seriously. right.
4: I got a guy who can take some teeth out for you if you want.
11: <laughs> Is
12: this Italian tooth fairy coming to my house if, if I get them pulled? I mean, seriously. Sure.
4: All right, Actually, cool. just go out on the streets of Philadelphia tonight. Somebody will take your teeth. <laughs> You'll lose a tooth tonight. No. I guarantee you will. <laughs> Maybe not like that. <laughs> All right.
11: Just That's saying. It's a lot of money.
4: It is a lot of money. Now, Sherelle Parker wants to be mayor of Philadelphia. She's bringing up crime as a big issue. David O. also running for mayor of Philadelphia, bringing up crime as, a, as the major issue. Uh, you are going to see, mark my words, a flight out of Philadelphia. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And our friends over at Philly Crime Update have been chronicling a lot of everything that's been going on in the city. And just so you know, I mean, it was bad again last night. More burglary arrests, store closures, increased police patrols. They still had people out there looting last night. And one of the people last night who killed somebody was out on bail. This is what happened. It's a terrible story. A man arrested during the chaos of this week's Philadelphia looting was already facing charges in connection with an alleged assault that claimed the life of another man last year. Kenneth Fry is one of more than 50 suspected looters taken into custody after large groups wreaked havoc across the city, smashing storefronts. And ransacking shelves to steal piles of stolen merchandise. Fry is now being charged with burglary. However, officials say this isn't his first run-in with the law in Philadelphia. The 24-year-old was out on bail for a deadly incident that occurred back in 2022 when police say he was caught looting a fine wine and good spirits Tuesday night. According to the DA's office, Fry was the bouncer charging the death of 41-year-old Eric Pope outside the Taboo Lounge in Setter City in April of 2022. Pope was standing alone outside the bar when police say Fry punched him to the ground and Pope died at the hospital one week later. Fry turned himself in a day after officials issued an arrest warrant. He was initially charged with third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter. The third-degree murder charge was later dismissed by a judge, according to court documents. And, of course, that's because the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office wanted those charges dismissed. On Thursday, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office confirmed that their motion to have the third-degree murder charge reinstated was awaiting a decision by the Superior Court of Pennsylvania. They also said they would be seeking to revoke Fry's bail in that case, as his most recent arrest is a violation of bail conditions. Pope's mother renewed her family's call for justice in a statement released on Thursday. She said, I don't understand. How somebody who is facing prosecution for taking the life of my son can go out and be arrested for another crime while we are awaiting a higher court decision on the DA's appeal to reinstate third-degree murder charges. I need to see justice for Eric and for our family. It is my wish to see the defendant's bail revoked and for the DA's office to appeal to receive a thorough and fair review by the Supreme Court. So, you know, it's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, this guy... This guy Kenneth Fry out on bail. He's a looter, he's a rioter, and he was already out on um he was out of yard on bail for a deadly incident. So I misspoke when I said somebody died last night. It was not in connection with this, but he was out on bail and he was a he was a looter and a rioter. Out on bail for killing another another person. Why he was out on bail is is it's it's infuriating. I mean, this is the problem, right? This is the problem in Philadelphia. You ask the cops and they'll tell you. The cops will tell you, all right? They'll say it. They'll say that the problem is that these criminals are on the streets. They're not behind bars where they belong. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. A lot more to come. The presidential debate last night. What were your thoughts? What were your takeaways? Give me some of your feedback. Did you watch it? I want to hear who do you think won. And I got to tell you about my friends at Emmons. Emmons Roofing and Siding, they do phenomenal work. They really do. And for years, Emmons has done great work for my home. You know, it's all about trust when it comes to your home, right? Roofing, siding, windows, doors, Emmons does all of it, plus remodeling projects as well. That's right. I used Emmons for my kitchen and my bathroom remodeling, and they did a phenomenal job. All you have to do is just go to EmmonsRoofing.com or EmmonsRemodeling.com and see some of their remodeling projects. You can even go to their design center in Cherry Hill. Now, you can trust that Matt and Stephanie, the entire team at Emmons, are going to do what's right for you and make sure that your home is treated like it's theirs. They clean up when they're done. The job is done on time and on budget. And they serve our entire region, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the Jersey Shore. So reach out to Emmons today for honest work. Integrity is everything. I have a lifetime warranty on my roof, and that's amazing. So just go to EmmonsRoofing.com, E-M-M-O-N-S, EmmonsRoofing.com.
3: The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
4: All right, it It is Thursday afternoon, the day after the Republican presidential debate. Did you watch last night? And if you did, what were your thoughts? Give me some thoughts, all right? I want to hear it from you. Uh, Let's, first of all, let's um, let's do this, first of all. This is from last night's debate. Here is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis on the war in Ukraine I think this he had two very strong moments last night one was when DeSantis was talking about his military service and the other was when he talked about the war in Ukraine cut number seven
14: it's in our interest to end this war and that's what I will do as president we are not going to have a blank check we will not have US troops and we're going to make the Europeans do what they need to do but they've sent money to pay uh, bureaucrats pensions and salaries and funding small businesses halfway around the world meanwhile Our own country is being invaded. Uh, We don't even have control of our own territory. We have got to defend the American people before we even worry about all these other things. And I watch these guys in Washington, D.C., and they don't care about the American people. They don't care about the fentanyl deaths. They don't care about the communities being overrun because of this border. They don't care about the Mexican drug cartels. So as commander-in-chief, I will defend this country's sovereignty. (laughs)
4: I there was a very strong answer last night from uh, DeSantis. I thought uh, he also had another point about Biden missing in action. Uh, also, he took a shot at Trump. Look, I'm telling you right now, if I were advising Trump and I'm not, but if I were, I would tell him, don't go near that debate stage. Do not go near that. It's a clown show. You are way too far in the lead. Do not go near that debate stage. He's not running from this, despite what DeSantis says, despite what Chris Christie says. He's not running from anything. The guy was in, the guy was president for four years. None of those guys were president. He's got the lead. They don't. He's going to win the nomination. They're not. He's not running from them. He doesn't need to. Is that be like saying, well, you know, he's he's ducking me, you know, because he won't debate me? Why why should he? His lead is too surmountable. All right, uh, at this point, insurmountable at this point. But uh, this is nevertheless what DeSantis said about that. Actually, first, you know, before I do that, let me back up. Let me go back. Tim Scott on on what he said about Ukraine. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I have no idea what he's talking about here. And I got to tell you, it broke my heart last night to hear him say all this stuff. Cut number eight.
0: And 90% of the resources that we send over to Ukraine is guaranteed. as a loan. It is not. At 90%. Of the money that we send over there is loan. Well, we can talk about this, but at the end of the day, ninety percent of the money that we send over there is actually we're in the form of back. loan. It's we're not, not actually it not be paid by Ukraine. It's paid by the NATO or NATO allies.
4: It's 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 a loan. It's a loan is what he's saying. A loan, huh? Okay. Um, I don't I don't know how the hell we're getting that money back, but okay. This is the now saying Biden is missing in action. Cut nine.
6: My My the next question is for Governor DeSantis. We
14: get things done, we want to get things done. Here's how we get it done in Washington. In we in must
5: Washington find Can we please respect we the time?
15: We can get it done.
14: Governor DeSantis, you haven't spoken. Please. The people in Washington are shutting down the American dream with their reckless behavior. They borrowed, they printed, they spent, and now you're paying more for everything. They are the reason for that. They have shut down our national sovereignty by allowing our border to be wide open. So please spare me uh, the crocodile tears for these people. They need to change what's going on. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who? Who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record, where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. Now I can tell you this, as Governor of Florida, we cut taxes, we ran surpluses, we've paid down over 25% of our state debt, and I vetoed wasteful spending when it came to my desk. And as your president, when they send me a bloating spending bill that's going to cause your prices to go up, I'm going to take out this Veto pen, and I'm going to send it right back to them.
16: Ilya, you mentioned the you know,
5: question. I just want to address.
4: And then it was a lot of it was a lot of that, you know, talking over uh, the veto pen. I mean, it's you know, it's a little gimmick with the pen. I don't, Trump should not be on that stage. Why defend his record? Why it, 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 he, he knows I mean, everybody knows what his record is, and they like it. That's why he's leading in the polls. I, I'm sorry, but he should not go anywhere near that debate. I'm glad he didn't. I think it would, be, it would be political malpractice for anybody to advise him to be on that debate stage. Again, I call balls and strikes here. It's what I do. Uh, it's what I do. And I'm telling you right now, if any of those guys were in Trump's shoes, they wouldn't be on that debate stage either. There's no chance they would. None whatsoever. You know, and, I, and I'll give you a good example. It'd be like this. I'll give you the the, the the analogy would be, I'm pretty sure when Chris Christie ran for re-election as governor of New Jersey, he had a Republican primary challenge from somebody who was, you know, not ever going to really, he never debated him. He never debated him. So, you know, it's 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 a little BS to turn around and say, you know, it's like some guy in Florida decides he's going to primary DeSantis last time around. Some guy you never heard of, no chance of winning, no chance of beating him. DeSantis is going to, debate that guy, give that guy the the attention, being on the stage with him? Of course not. And you think that Santas's people would let him do that? Hell no. Of course not. You think when Nikki Haley was governor of South Carolina, if some Yahoo came out of the woodwork to primary her, she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna accept the challenge in her reelection as governor? Stop. Like just stop already. You know? Same thing with Tim Scott as a US senator. Someone decides I'm challenging Tim Scott and the person's not credible and the person is you're not you're not debating them. Trump is running like he's an incumbent. He's not the incumbent, but he's running like he is. And from the poll numbers, he has more than enough latitude to say that he's basically the incumbent. So. You know, that's that's how that is. That's how it is. And, you know, politics is a rough business. What can I tell you? Uh, Here is uh, Chris Christie going after Donald Trump, which I thought the most annoying moment of the night last night. I mean, so annoying. And and I give you a good barometer for this stuff. Right. You know, I obviously know the guy and he's been on my show and we have we've had a very complicated history, the two of us, ever since I've known him, which I've known him for a long time. My wife knows him, too. And Bridget's (laughs) Bridget doesn't hold back. And last night when Chris Christie made the, this Donald Duck comment, she actually i almost threw her wine glass at the television. And she knows Chris and she knows Mary Pat. And she and she she was just she had to leave the room. She was so she was so annoyed by how stupid this line was. And and believe me my wife's not a big Trump fan. She's not an anti-Christy person. Bridget just kind of looks at all this like she knows I live it so we don't talk about it outside of work. We don't. I can't. I have to when the show ends, I focus on my family and the kids. I don't I can't talk about this all the time. I'd go crazy. You imagine if you had to talk about this 24/7, you lose your freaking mind. So even this morning, she said to me, any fallout from the debate, I said, first of all, I haven't even had my first cup of coffee yet. Second, I, I don't do mornings anymore. So you're going to have to wait till I like get on the air at 3 o'clock if you want to hear my thoughts on the debate. Sorry, it's just how it is, you know? And I and I, look, and I've adopted this this in my life in general. Like Saturday nights, if someone comes up to me and goes, wow, so what did you think of the debate? I go, I'll tell you Monday. I have to. I can't. I'll go crazy. You'll go freaking crazy if you talk about this all the time. I learned that from Rush Limbaugh, actually. Rushies talk about it all the time. You've got to have space from it because it's all-consuming. Anyway, this is the line that Chris Christie said last night, cut 10.
0: People feel threatened there, and we need it in Washington, D.C. also. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that. No one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. I want to ask but, the is-
4: oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> uh, so bad. So, am I wrong here in this and how bad that was last night? Am I just biased because I know the guy? Nah, it was pretty awkward. The, and the the way he, like, pointed
11: and sort of leaned over as he said it, uh, it. Like he smirked like he was proud of himself? Wasn't a great moment. It was the only thing I've seen from the debate, and to be honest, I thought it was
12: awesome. <laughs> I, I really did. I it's like stop. What? You're you're you're, it was,
4: you're pulling my leg right no, now.
12: No, I swear to you. I swear. Shut to you. Shut up, Chris. It was, Christie it won
11: was, the
4: Henry. Up. Yeah,
12: yeah. I, well, I haven't seen anything else. I don't care what anyone else has to say now.
4: That's it. you're That's you're, it. you're on Team Christie now because yeah. of that. It was. You're so full of it. It's
12: no. It was. It was just so stupid. But like <laughs> you know, he was thinking about that like the whole time. Like oh man, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him, baby. Watch this, Donald Duck, and then points at the camera, and it's like. Oh my gosh! Uh, just yeah, he's got my
11: vote. <laughs> it was a totally scripted line too, which made it yes, so awkward. That's why it's so good. I don't understand why it was greenlit by by his team. It probably Someone wasn't. Just stopped it. It probably wasn't. He probably Wait, said, "Please don't say this, Chris."
4: Please. I, I don't. think I, I think I know where Henry's going with this. Is Santa's. this is the equivalent of a really terrible movie, and you watch it and you go, "That movie was amazing." This is so bad.
12: <laughs> yeah, essentially, that's, it's like that. That's the vibe I get from that. Yeah, exactly.
4: Like that movie was so bad. You want to watch it again? Yeah, put it on. Yes, just that bad. (laughs) The room. That moment was the room. Yes. Well, hi, Mark. (laughs) It was like it was. Everybody turned around and went. I mean, he was. He was Donald Duck, and he gives this look like mic drop. Like you expect him to drop the mic and then you know waddle off the stage, but he (laughs) does. He just hangs there, and the audience is just like, "What? Here, play it again
0: one more time." People feel threatened there, and we need it in Washington, D.C. also. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck.
11: All right. (laughs) I love Dana Prino just going, all right. (laughs)
4: <laughs> you know, you cut off the crowd's reaction. I know it wasn't your fault, but I would—I I wish we had more of the crowd's reaction I have a there because actually, hang on. Do guess, you? All right, yeah. give me more because I, I know, know there was a lot of like groaning and moaning and people going "meatball, save us!" Like at that moment, people wanted to see meatball in <laughs> the bathtub. I don't have much of the crowd's response,
0: but let's give it a shot. All right, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. Poor
4: Dana. I mean, really, honestly, in that moment, poor. <laughs> uh, by the way, I just got an email from um, Marleed Bonamici, who sent me an email, sent it to Greg Stocker the Corporate Show, but then he, he forwarded it to me. Rich, you give $20 to your kid? Are you out of your mind? Again, earmuffs. <laughs> it's not me, uh, Marlead. It's the tooth fairy, okay? Two goes 20 bucks, and then it goes right back to the Bank of Dad. All right? I'm just saying. I'm with Marley. Actually, you know what I give? I give whatever's in my freaking wallet is what I give. And I usually have cash on me, so it's like, <laughs> I got $20. All right, well, I'm getting a bag anyway, you know?
11: I think Marley makes a good point.
4: Yeah. Maz made a great point to me once we had this conversation. He said, why don't you just give them Monopoly money? They have no idea what money is at this age of their life. Why Why you even giving them, give them Monopoly money? Here, it's 500 bucks. Go buy... Park Place, you know. I feel
11: like the kids would be more impressed with 10 one dollar bills than they would
4: with a single twenty, right? It's good point. Uh, Fair point. More, more at that at that age is probably a thing, right? Or like my son will be like, like you know, like I'm making it rain and he just throws the singles up in the air <laughs> like Daddy does on Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tooth Fairy, you keep ducking this. I'm not going to call you Tooth Fairy anymore. I'm going to call you Donald Duck. Oh, boom! <laughs> I'm using that now all
12: the time. All the time. See, there you go. That's how you know it was good. You're going to use that all the time now.
4: Yeah, you're right. I'm going to be. I'm going to. I'm going to say. I'm going to be at a, at a at dinner, and dinner's going to be taking a while. I'm going to save the server. Excuse me. Excuse me. If I don't get some food here, I'm. I'm going to say. You're Donald Duck. Oh, <laughs> like what? I don't, you're ducking. You're ducking me because you're not giving me my food yet. Um, also, you have any duck? Because I'm starving now. <laughs> also, can I go to Joe Speaking Duck tonight? uh all right 855-839-1210 I have some more audio uh for you but I have to take a quick break but I'll come back I want to know your thoughts did you watch the debate let me know 855-839-1210 Matt DeSantis will take your calls and if he doesn't we'll call him Donald Duck oh snap (laughs) uh you can also tweet me as well of course at Rich Zioli and I will share some tweets on the air as we continue along the show today don't go away Thanks for
3: listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
4: All right, 855-839-1210. 8, 5, 5, 8, Did you watch the debate last night? What were your thoughts? Let me start with Bill in West Grove. Bill, thanks for calling, man. How you doing? Hey, Rich. How are you? Doing well, buddy. Did you watch?
15: Yeah, I watched Rich. The one guy that should have been voted off that stage is Chris Christie. He's not doing anything for the American public. It was childish and it was self-grandizing what he did. Um, And I don't have respect for the guy. And the only reason is, and I hate to pick it out, is because of his weight. He's got no self-respect for himself. He can't do it for the American people.
4: Listen, man, you know the the weight is an issue it really is it reflects uh, a lot it it says about self discipline right and, and it's not a small thing I I, I I hear what you're saying I I think there's a lot of merit to it he he knew it as well at one point he got lap band surgery and he gained it all back yeah I, you know
15: I look yeah I looked at myself two years ago in the mirror one night and said oh no can't go anymore and I did it by myself I just lost thirty pounds. I'm down to my high school weight. I'm not a young guy. I also want to change my handle to Wild Bill because all my friends who listen to your show call me up after I'm on all the time.
4: <laughs> all right, Wild Bill. You're on, buddy. You're it. All right. And listen, Rich, Rich, your children, they're only
15: going to be children once, man. So you do whatever you want with that money, man.
4: <laughs> Thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. It's not all me. Right, it's a truth She's very you. generous. She's Italian. God bless you. God bless you, buddy. Thank you. Tooth Fairy likes giving envelopes of cash. That's what Menendez should have said. Should have said it a Tooth Fairy. That wasn't my money. Tooth Fairy came very generous. Gave me hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash and gold bars. Uh, Beth is in Langhorne. Hello, Beth. Hey, how you doing? How you doing,
16: Beth? I'm doing great. Love you. Love the team. So glad you're back on in the afternoon.
4: Oh, thank you for saying um, that. I, do- I appreciate it.
16: Yes. You entertain me on the way home. Good. Um, I appreciate it. Some people say I can't listen.
4: I only listen in the morning. But my theory is if you drive to work, you have to drive home from work, right?
16: Exactly. I've had times where I had to pull over because I was laughing so hard. Good. (laughs) That's what I like to hear. Love it. Anyway, I did not watch the debate, but um, Chris Christie calling Don, Trump, Donald, Duck, was his Sharknado moment, it was so bad it was good.
4: (laughs) Well, that seems to be Henry's take on it, that it was so bad it was good. So I think the Sharknado analogy works.
16: Well, good. I'm glad. I thought it was kind of funny.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done, Beth. You have a a safe drive home. Thank you for listening.
16: Thank you. Take care, guys.
4: All right, bye, Beth. No, that's very good. I should the Sharknado moment, Maybe, and and I think that that analogy works, Henry. What do you think? Yeah, that's think a terrible so. movie, Sharknado.
12: Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, but it's it, awful. But it's a cult classic because people love how bad it is, and that's just right. like that line.
4: And uh, and I'll watch it if it's on. Uh, I don't know.
12: I don't know no. about that. Like I All wasn't right. watching the debate because it was on, so I'm not watching Sharknado. I'm not watching Chris Christie's personal Sharknado either.
4: All right, fair enough. This was his Sharknado moment. Beth nailed it. Uh, Rob is in West Deptford. Hello, Rob. How are you? Oh,
17: hello, Rich. Thank you. I support what Wild Bill just said about Christie. I support him. I, I agree 100%. Thank you. Yeah. And also, I, I, I'm a hardcore Democrat for the last 20 years. I hate the Democrats, and I hope Biden gets impeached out of office so fast. And we don't have to worry, because Kamala Harris, it, it's almost the
15: 2024 election. So... I'm with you.
4: So, Rob, what made you feel that way? If you've been a lifelong Democrat, what was the uh, the aha moment for you?
17: Oh, no, well, it's, OK, OK. Biden's climate change policy. OK, it's not workable. His foreign policy. It's not working. His his um, economic policies are totally failing. And he's a thief on top of that. He took all this cash. It, oh, boy, he's bad. He's, he's really bad.
4: All right, buddy. Thanks, Rob. You have a great day, pal, pal. I appreciate you calling. Thank you very much. 855-839-1210. If you want to weigh in. I'll also, uh, let me check some of the, uh, the Twitter activity as well, or the X activity, as I should I should say. Your thoughts last time in the debate. Let's see what we got here. Um, let's see. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Way the Dice 77 says, love the music. I still have the 45 to Steve Miller's Abracadabra. Yeah, Henry's killing it today with the music, absolutely. Yeah, all right, thank you. Chris Abolito says, how is Governor Christie not being shredded for using a major network on primetime at the GOP debate to tell a dad joke? Fair enough, good point. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, and actually, most of the people commenting are commenting on the Tooth Fairy. So... Uh, anyway, I think that that's pretty funny. It's always the funny things about this radio show. And it's, always, it's something about this show and, and this audience that amazes me is that we'll talk about all this serious stuff. And then I'll throw out something like the tooth fairy and it'll light up social media for days. Well, this happened the other day, too. with something I forget what it was. It's like I'm in the middle of like, you know, like the deep state and the prosecution, the Constitution. And I make a comment about something. I forget what it was. And everybody was going off on a tangent about that on social media. I don't remember what it was, though. But anyway, it's a beautiful thing about this show. It's very special. It doesn't happen in other radio shows. It doesn't. It's just something unique to the Zioli show. Always has been, but... We haven't lost our magic. That's for damn sure. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What else? What else do I got? That's it. Nothing. All right. We've got some more audio for you then. 855-839-1210. If you want to do weigh in, we will take the calls for you uh, this afternoon. Give me, uh, let's do this one here. This is from last night's presidential Republican debate. And by the way, we'll get into this. You know what? How about I do this? Why don't I come back? I got to take a quick break, but I'll come back. I'll give you more audio. In the meantime, though, let me just say, before I get to some more presidential audio on the other side of this... um, Philadelphia mayoral candidate Sherelle Parker says those behind the vandalism should be held accountable. However, she also says we need police accountability, which, of course, we always have police accountability. That's the thing. So I think Sherelle Parker is trying to have it both ways here. And that's very, very concerning to me. Uh, the issue of the of the, the police officer, it was not an accountability issue. The judge threw out the charges. Period. The judge threw out the charges. That's what happened. And then a city set itself on fire because they didn't like what the judge did. But you know what? I don't see anybody and I I know murder. I know that, you know, somebody lost their life and it's a very tragic thing. It's a very sad thing. But the judge made that decision. A judge made a decision in Trump's case. I know financial issues are not the same. I'm not trying to equate the two, but, you know, you don't see people burning down the city because they don't like the judge's decision in the Trump financial case. I mean, judges make decisions. Sometimes you like them. Sometimes you don't. That's why there's an appeals process. It's why there's the you know, the D.A. in this case is filing charges again, which I don't agree with but it does nobody nobody should ever for a second think that the looting that occurred was because of that judge's decision the looting that occurred because people took advantage of that judge's decision and the fact that there were going to be peaceful protests that's why the looting occurred opportunistic criminals period. 855-839-1210 we got 30 minutes of non-stop talk coming up for you straight ahead. Don't go away.
3: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons 3-7 Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app mm-hmm. WPHT, WPHT HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter Always live on the free Odyssey app The Revolution this yeah. is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with rich ziole
4: the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden is still ongoing today. Well, it just wrapped up, actually. But the uh, the day one had a lot, a lot of fireworks. The debate last night, the fallout is there. Tell me what you think. And, uh, yeah, great to be with you today. 855 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Uh, Chairman James Comer spoke just a short time ago after today's hearing wrapped up. He said this hearing wasn't supposed to be about fireworks and bells and whistles. This isn't the January 6th committee. This isn't a stunt. This is a substantive investigation chairman comer just said that a short time ago uh we also have a clip of a i'll send this over to you matt of a uh, lunatic democrat screaming her head off today at the uh impeachment committee uh, the impeachment hearing of president trump and something else that that um that happened at the very, very end of the, the, uh, the hearing today. It's some breaking news on this. Chairman James Comer at the very end of the hearing today announcing that he is uh, subpoenaing, uh, putting out subpoenas officially for Hunter and James Biden's personal and business bank records. That just came out. So there you go. A um, lot of stuff that came out of this today. And, and like I said to you, you know, whether or not this is sexy, whether or not this is flashy, Whatever, whatever you think, it, the, the, key, the key about this is, is that Congress has a responsibility and obligation under the United States Constitution, and that is to ensure that the President of the United States of America is not compromised by a foreign power, period, period. Here is what uh, Chairman James Comer said as the first official impeachment hearing inquiry ended today.
18: The witnesses today have all identified the evidence the committee has uncovered as deserving further inquiry, and that is what this committee will do, no matter where that evidence leads. I want to thank the witnesses for their testimony today. It confirms the evidence compiled by this committee, justifies the investigation of Joe Biden's role in his family's international business schemes, and justifies the next step of this investigation. One of those steps is gaining insight into where the Biden's foreign money ended up. For what purposes? Therefore, today I will subpoena the bank records of Hunter Biden, James Biden, and their affiliated companies. Good,
4: excellent. Here is uh, a member of Congress. Uh, this is uh, sort of the name of this Democrat here who was uh, on the House Over or the House Judiciary Committee today. Her name is Jasmine uh, Crockett. She's a Congresswoman from the Texas. Today,
18: have all, identified. What?
4: Uh, Go ahead, take a listen to president, Congresswoman Clark. But
19: let me tell you something that was so disturbing as I walked in to this chamber today. As I prepared, I said, what is the crime? Because when you're talking about impeachment, you're talking about high crimes or misdemeanors. And I, I can't seem to find the crime. And honestly, no one has testified of what crime they believe the president of the United States has committed. But when we started talking about things that look like evidence... They want to act like they blind. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets. Looks like in the shitter to me.
4: Whoa. <laughs> Did you dump that?
5: <laughs>
7: yep. <laughs> yeah, we got it.
4: Okay, good. A lot of foul language during this hearing. There was a lot of foul language today. Is there more or is there? Is that? Is that There's it? There's more, but I don't know what she says next, so give me a second to say. All right, you know right what? Here. Let me take this call. You, you edit that. I think it's like a minute 30 clip, so I will take... This looks... I'll take Susan's call in Newark, Delaware. Hello, Susan. How are you?
1: Hello. How are you? I'm just so happy to, to talk with you, and I love your show, and it keeps me sane every day. Helps oh, so thank much. you. Thank I'm you happy to hear very that. Very and everyone there. But it's been a long time ago. This is my little girl when she lost her tooth, and she'd been talking to all the neighbor kids, and they were all getting a dollar. And I know it's like 1975. And, uh, so she, uh, my, said to my husband, okay, gonna go up there and put the dollar under the pillow. And he said, a dollar? No, I'm 50 cents, 50 cents. Well, I knew that wasn't gonna fly. So she comes down the next morning, hands on hips, and starts her tiny girl rant. That was not good. 50 cents. Uh, so it was really hilarious. When well, my husband looked like a deer in the headlights, he just completely melted. And he said, oh, honey, it's okay. If, here's, what, here's the rule. If you don't like what you've got, you put it back under the pillow and you trade it in for the next day. <laughs> so that, that's, And that's what he did. He, tra- he went back up, completely caved, and said, trade it in. That's a new one on me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Trade it, it in too. for a better offer.
1: Yeah, trade it in. OK, well, take good care, everybody. Love you.
4: Thank you so much. We appreciate the the phone call, uh, Susan. Thank you. 855-839-1210. Uh, you know, let, let me say, too, and obviously I, I've coached uh, candidates for these presidential debates before. And I won't name names, but Trump. But Christie was part of Trump's debate team later on, and he would go on to kind of mock Trump in his book for not preparing and not spending time preparing and everything like that. And that, and that's not really true. Trump just says everybody has their own way of preparing for debates. Trump's way of preparing for debates was the, the classic way is this, right? The classic way is candidates stand up and they, do a mock debate they do a dry run so to speak so somebody will play the opponent and they go back and forth and somebody will play the moderator and they go back and forth they film it and you look back trump doesn't want to play any of that game because he doesn't want to have rehearsed scripted answers so what he does is we sit around the table and we we talk about different things and we kind of bat around policy ideas and he takes notes he would take diligent notes actually Despite what people think, he's actually he would he had a pad of paper in front of him and write stuff down. Sometimes he would tell somebody else, like, you know, write that down for me or something like that. But uh, Christie at Mar-a-Lago that day as he was eating his gigantic Belgian waffle. And, he, you know, he didn't he couldn't believe that uh, Trump wouldn't practice the lines and everything. But Trump never wanted to sound scripted. He never wanted to sound like Romney. That was always his big fear that he would sound scripted and and, and it would come across phony. And he was the right call because a lot of the, what I saw last night was a lot. There was a lot of scripted, rehearsed answers. And, you know, you can tell the, the, this is not. I said to Bridget last night, I said, you know, I could run for president. I really could. I mean, I don't want to. I have no interest, but I could. It's not like what I saw on that stage last night was blew me away. And I said, oh, my God, the talent up here. A lot of it was very scripted, very prepackaged, very tried. Pence, I think, is probably the guiltiest of all of them with that. With his dad jokes... But that Donald Duck line was practiced, rehearsed. You know, he 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 did his his zingers in his debate prep sessions, and it comes across phony and it comes across scripted. And I think people see through it. And there's a, there's th- the thing about Trump is he may not be the world's greatest debater, but he's authentic, and whatever comes out is 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 what comes to his mind at that moment. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a thoughtful answer on the policy question. He does. But my point is he doesn't have the prepackaged scripted answer and how he's going to deliver it. That's the the difference he knows the policy he wants to advocate for but he doesn't sit there and rehearse the lines and doesn't doesn't stand up and well, well try it again try it again with the emphasis on this word or the emphasis on that word and i think that that's a big reason why people like him is it seems like uh it, it seems like people find him to be very authentic so in that sense. So anyway, I, 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 I have that observation from you as having obviously been uh, having the, the, the fortune to have worked side by side with him in, in the presidential primary. I was not part of the general election debate team. At that point, new people came in and they wanted to do it their way. But they always tried to get him to stand up and do a mock debate. And I don't I don't know what if they achieved that or not in the general. I don't know. But everybody has to do what works for them, what works for their style. Everybody's different. I tell this to people all the time. You know, I, 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 I coach people in public speaking sometimes. And I always say to people, look, if, if a written speech helps you write out a speech for me, I don't write speeches. If you if you ever come and hear me talk or come to a dinner or something like that, I give it all on the fly. I know what I want to say. I know where I want to go, but I don't write things down in that sense because I sound like a robot. It doesn't work for me for whatever reason. I don't know. it just doesn't come. I used to write my monologues out. I haven't written a monologue in ten years, but I used to when I first started in radio and I was doing whatever shift I could get nights, weekends, whatever holidays Christmas i would i would I would write my monologues out and I would do them on the air and they sound they sounded phony. so now I know where I want to go, but I don't write it out. I don't even write bullet points anymore. I just know what I want what I want to get across, and I hope that it comes out naturally. And and it makes a connection with you. And that's how I operate. Now, I know there's other people that do things differently. People give speeches. They want note cards. They want bullet points. They need PowerPoint presentations. Whatever works for you works for you. So I always say that. But the problem is, and you see it in these debates, they hire professionals who come in and insist that it's their way is the only way. You have to do it like this. You need to try that Medicare line again. It didn't land properly. You need to give them the zinger. Here's the zinger, you know? And everybody sits at home and goes, really? You guys are not great actors. None of you are good actors. None of you are are, are professionally trained thespians. So stop with the prepackaged lines and the prepackaged answers and the delivery because it sounds like a bunch of crap because it is a bunch of BS. That's what it is. So give us give us what you really feel and speak from the heart. And that Donald Duck line is not from the heart. You know what I mean? It would have been much. Honestly, it would be much more effective. if Chris Christie stood up there and just said, because, you know what, Donald, if you can't, you know, if you're going to duck us here, you know, are you are you going to duck Putin? Are you going to if you could have I mean, that would have been more effective than a stupid Donald Duck line. But the Donald Duck line was the was the was the prepackaged line. Just like Pence's line about, you know, I, I sleep with a teacher for 30 years or whatever it was. And it comes across like phony. And, and we have heard so much of this in our lives. We're all cynical, especially where we, I mean, in this part of the country where we're from, this whole region of ours, we're all deeply cynical people. And I think it's a good thing. I do. Nobody's going to get one over on us. It's not a bad thing. We're street smart. And we can smell BS a mile away. We can smell BS a mile away. Not like those dopes in the Midwest with their bad pizza. I'm just kidding, but I'm saying like there's a there's a there's a street smarts here, and obviously I'm not speaking for everybody in this region because there's the people of Philadelphia get duped by Krasner, duped by Kenny. We get Jersey people get duped by Phil Murphy. But what I'm saying is for us, conservatives, libertarians, Republicans, Democrats like my last caller who's seen the light. We there's a, there's a certain amount of common sense, street smarts, and we can smell BS a mile away. We know a phony when we hear one. And the best advice I can give these guys is stop rehearsing, stop trying, and just know what you want to say and just get up there and just talk and answer it. And the other thing, too, is that a lot of them look like deer in the headlights a lot of times last night because you could tell they're trying to play the tape back in their head of what they want to say uh here is uh vivek ramaswamy now vivek sounds very very smooth is very smooth i think sometimes he sounds a little too smooth to be honest with you uh but his point about tiktok last night was very valid in terms of this notion of banning tiktok you know i know that china i know china's spying on us with it china's spying on us with a lot of different things but his point about reaching younger voters last night cut number 11.
20: government issued devices because of its ties to the Chinese government. Yet you join TikTok after dinner with boxer and influencer, Jake Paul. Should the commander-in-chief be so easily persuaded by an influencer?
5: So the answer is I have a radical idea for the Republican party. We need to win elections. And part of how we win elections is reaching the next generation of young Americans where they are.
4: So Nikki Haley did not like that. She did not like that at all. She took a big shot of Vivek last night. Cut twelve. Cut twelve. There's Matt. one person on with?
1: this. This is infuriating because TikTok <laughs> is one of the most dangerous social yeah. media apps yes, so that we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say <laughs> because I can't believe you know, they hear you got a day. TikTok situation.
4: As far as uh, scripted one-liners go, Mike Pence last night, cut 14, Matt, cue it up, cut 14, Mike Pence really, I think these landed flat. That's when I tweeted out last night, Shecky Pence, take a listen.
21: Joe Biden doesn't belong on a picket line, he belongs on the unemployment line.
4: (laughs) I'm
22: glad
21: Vivek pulled out of his business deal in 2018 in China. That must have been about the time you decided to start voting in presidential elections. I, I served in Congress for 12 years, although it seemed longer. Chris, you mentioned the president's situation i'm my wife uh isn't a member of the teachers union but i got to admit i've i've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years and um so full disclosure
4: Oof, brutal uh brutal i'm sorry uh here's tim scott and Nikki haley arguing about curtains because this is very relevant to people in the uh in the in, in america cut 13
0: 10 cents on this gallon in south carolina as the UN ambassador, you literally Bring it, put $50,000 on <laughs> curtains in a $15 million subsidized location.
1: Next. You got bad information. First of all, I fought the gas tax in South Carolina multiple times against the just establishment. Go you, just go to YouTube. Against the establishment. You, just go to and YouTube. And you want to know what that yourself. 10 yep. was? When they wouldn't pass the gas tax, the establishment and the companies wanted me to do it so much that I said the only way I will Here's pass what it is if to you will, will you give us three...
21: All you have me.
0: to do is go watch give, Mickey Haley on <laughs> YouTube. Yes. If
1: you will give me three times the deduction in income tax, then I will look at your gas so tax, you said which yes, is why it didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Secondly, right. secondly, on the right. 50 million. Here is
0: a nice part.
1: Secondly, on the uh, curtains, do your yes. homework, Tim, because Obama bought those curtains. Did you send them back? It's in the. Press. Did you send them back? It's the State Department. You send them Did back? you send them back? You're the one that works in Congress. Oh my gosh! You get it? You time. hung them on your
0: your, your curtains. Are, they and were there curtains. before I even I'm, showed up at the I'm, residence. You here's, are scrapping. Here's you a, are scrapping, a, you I'm you a, scrapping. I'm not
4: Anyway, uh, so yeah, there there you go. I mean this is this is like I said, I'm 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 very glad I didn't advise him, but I'm I'm very glad Donald Trump did not go on that debate stage last night. Thank God he did not. Uh, from today's impeachment hearing on Capitol Hill, 855-839-1210, here is the now censored version. Thank you, Matt DeSantis, for censoring the lunatic congresswoman from Texas. Take a listen.
19: But let me tell you something that was so disturbing as I walked in to this chamber today. As I prepared, I said, what is the crime? Because when you're talking about impeachment, you're talking about high crimes or misdemeanors. And I, I can't seem to find the crime. And honestly, no one has testified of what crime they believe the president of the United States has committed. But when we start talking about things that look like evidence, they want to act like they are blind. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets. Looks like in the me. This looks like more evidence of our national secrets, say on a stage at Mar-a-Lago when we're talking about somebody that's committed high crimes, it's at least indictments. Let's say 32 counts related to unauthorized retention of national security secrets. Seven counts related to obstructing the investigation. Three false statements. One count of conspiracy to defraud the United States. Falsifying business records conspiracy to defraud the United States. Two counts related to efforts to obstruct the vote certification proceedings. One count of conspiracy to violate civil rights. 23 counts related to forgery or false document statements. Eight counts related to soliciting. And I could go on because he's got 91 counts pending right now. But I will tell you what the president has been guilty of. He has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally. And that is the only evidence that they have brought forward. And honestly, I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child. Until they find some evidence, we need to get back to the people's work, which means keeping this government open so that people don't go hungry in the streets of the United States, and I will yield.
4: I don't know what she's talking about there. But anyway, uh, that's what, what at least one Democrat member of, uh, of, of the House committee today said. Okay. Uh, 855 on Twitter at Rich Zioli, If you would like to weigh in today, uh, here is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about what a waste of time this whole thing was. And she would know because if anyone is there to waste our time in life, it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez.
23: Today the Republican majority has called in three witnesses to advance their case. Mr. Turley, I have a simple question for you. In your testimony today, are you presenting any first-hand witness account of crimes committed by the President of the United States? No, I'm not. No, you are not. Ms. O'Connor, you are the second uh, Republican witness here today, have you in your testimony presented any first-hand witness account of crimes committed by, pre- by the President of the United States? I have not. Thank you. Now, Mr. Dubinsky, as the third and final Republican witness uh, in this hearing, have you in your testimony presented any first-hand witness account of crimes committed by the President of the United States?
21: Uh, I have not.
23: And Professor Gerhardt, uh, given that you are the minority witness, I assume the same, correct?
21: I am not a fact witness, correct.
23: Thank you. And to clarify, two individuals presented today who do have first-hand accounts surrounding the progeny of these allegations are being blocked from testifying by the Republican majority. And I want to explain why this is important. Members of Congress, all of us in this hearing, are not under oath, as we are presently covered by the speech and debate clause. Isn't that correct, Professor Gerhardt?
5: That is correct.
23: And the speech and debate clause covers all statements by a member of Congress, whether they are factual or not. There are only four people in this room that are presently under oath in their testimony. And those are the four witnesses here today. Is that correct, Professor Gerhardt? That is correct. And so the direct testimony of the four individual witnesses here today are the bona fide words that this committee must use in order to proceed or substantiate an investigation. And I want to... Uh, let let want me to just see. let
4: me just stop it, right? This is not the only day, uh, Sandy, that they're going to be doing this. You know, this is day one. This is day one. This is the first day. And it's obvious now, when they subpoena all the bank records, they're going to get more information. And then when they bring more witnesses, they're going to get... More information. That's how you do it. You build. You build this up. This is not a criminal court. You don't need evidence of a crime in the same manner that you're outlining here. The Constitution doesn't require it. The rules of impeachment don't require it either. But they know this. But ask yourself, why are they so? Why do they want this to end so badly? Why are they so afraid? What are they so afraid of? Huh? By the way, uh, meatball. There's a little bit of a development here, meatball. Has been charged with the following criminal counts, burglary, conspiracy, criminal trespass, riot, criminal mischief, criminal use of a communications facility, receipt of stolen property and disorderly conduct. That is what Meatball has been charged with. And also Meatball should be charged with obscenities for that bathtub video, which I'm telling you, (laughs) don't look at it. Don't do it. It's obscene. Okay. Okay. Okay, very good. Uh, just trying to help out here, right? I'm trying to look out for you. Just trying to look out for
11: you. What? No, I, I agree with you. You really do not want to see that video.
4: Just you don't clear of it. You don't want to see it, okay? You don't want to see it. Please. Uh, Representative Jason Smith today, I thought, did a nice job of breaking out exactly what, what's going on here and, and why this needs to be done. Because, again, the Department of Justice is not going to pursue this. Congress has an obligation here to ensure the president of the United States of America is not beholden to a foreign country. Period. Cut three.
13: Yesterday, the Ways and Means Committee released new documents showing President Biden was not just aware of his son's business dealings, but he was connected to them. In a newly released message to a Chinese business executive, Hunter Biden mentions preserving the, quote, keys to my family's only asset. That asset, Joe Biden. New evidence released in response to questions raised by members of the committee on both sides when Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, the two IRS whistleblowers, testified in July paints a disturbing picture of a revolving door between Joe Biden's office and Hunter Biden's business partners. According to a worksheet provided by IRS whistleblower Ziegler, then Vice President Biden's April 2014 official visit to Ukraine occurred only days after a series of White House meetings with Hunter Biden and his business associates regarding Ukraine. Shortly after Joe Biden returned stateside, the Ukrainian company Burisma announced Hunter Biden's appointment to its board. New evidence provided shows Hunter Biden using his father's position to gain favor with billionaire Miguel Aleman, including having Joe Biden host them at the White House in February of 2014 at the vice president's residence alongside Mexican billionaire Carlos Slim in November of 2015, and then in 2016, using Air Force Two to shuttle Hunter Biden and his business associate to Mexico City. Whether it was lunches, phone calls, White House meetings, or official foreign trips, Hunter Biden cashed in by arranging access to Joe Biden, the family brand the biden family and their associates received millions in payments from foreign sources including from russia china ukraine romania in one email hunter biden even bragged that he cut a deal 10 million from just one company for quote introductions alone and yet the doj wanted to keep the spotlight as far from joe biden as possible One of the items we released yesterday was an IRS interview with James Biden, the president's brother, in September of 2022. The agency was barred in the interview from asking him about Joe Biden and about whether Joe Biden was involved in Hunter Biden's deal with a Chinese energy company. And when hunter biden had his tax liability of over two million mysteriously paid for by a democrat party donor named kevin morris who he barely knew something irs investigators saw as a possible campaign finance violation assistant u.s attorney leslie wolf said she did not want any of the agents to look into the allegation behind uh, on the board are notes agent shapley took from that meeting he notes that Wolf told investigators that she was not, quote, personally interested in pursuing it. This is the same attorney Wolf who, in an email we released yesterday, responded to IRS investigators seeking approval for a search warrant with, quote, there should be nothing about political figure one in here, that being a reference by definition of Joe Biden. The Biden family sold access to Joe Biden's power and the Biden Justice Department protected the Biden brand.
4: I know that was long, but it was it was excellent. He lays it all out, lays it all out exactly why Congress needs to do what Congress needs to do. You know, I mean, look, it, again, I can I can get little snippets of these things, but you're intelligent enough and your concentration level is is, is good enough where you can process this. This is important stuff here. You know, this is the allegation here that the United States Department of Justice is purposely covering up for the president of the United States. And I've been telling you this, right? I've been telling you this for a long time. What did I say to you? I said, please, don't call it a sweetheart deal. It's not a sweetheart deal. This deal that Hunter Biden got, the deal of a lifetime, the immunity to end all immunity deals, was to cover up for the financial crimes of the president of the United States of America. What that representative Jason Smith just did was connected all the dots, all the dots connected with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the Department of Justice, the IRS whistleblowers, connected it all together. The problem is, you know, Sandy wants, wants AOC wants uh, a smoking gun, or they keep bringing up a smoking gun evidence. This is the problem with money laundering. This is the problem with international criminal conspiracy. And this is what these guys talked about, these whistleblowers. You remember what they said? They said these things are so incredibly complicated that you need teams of agents To go across multiple countries and files and years and businesses, and and they're they're complicated for a reason, and it's very rare you find a smoking gun. The government builds cases against people with this, and that's how they bring them down. It's how they bring down international money laundering organizations. It's not always like it's, you know, I guess I guess AOC thinks everything's a, you know, a law and order episode or a murder mystery where, you know, you're going to walk in and see the, the evidence right on the table. The reason why you have forensic investigators who work with the IRS and the FBI is so that they can unravel these complicated, purposely complicated international money laundering operations. They're complicated for the reason that there's no smoking gun. That's literally why they're set up. They're set up that way, for that specific reason. Whether you're bringing down the mafia or whether you're bringing down an international money laundering organization or you're bringing down a cartel, these entities are set up through multiple different ways to to evade capture and detection. Hell, it's even the Russian oligarchs. I mean, you know, I talked to you that story the other day about how we're doing the maintenance on on these seized yachts from the russian oligarchs and guess what they don't even they can't even bring criminal charges against these people because the yachts are owned by multiple different companies and it doesn't just directly connect to to putin's buddy these people are smart what they do and they get really good lawyers and accountants and other people to help hide all this stuff that's why even like with menendez there's no smoking gun You're building a case. You're bringing a lot of evidence together. The gold in and of itself is not a smoking gun. The car in the driveway in and of itself is not a smoking gun. The cash in his his, his trousers and his jackets is not a smoking gun. You're allowed to have all those things. All those things are legal. You build a case involving evidence, and it's very complicated sometimes, taking up hundreds or even thousands of pages and trials that could last for weeks and months. I mean, the Trump Organization, I'll I'll, I'll give her that. She thinks the Trump Organization is a criminal empire. There's no smoking gun in the Trump Organization. It's complicated. This judge, who just looked at all Trump's finances and says he inflated everything. You're looking at complicated appraisals. You're looking at all. I mean, none of this stuff involves a smoking gun. These are white collar crimes here. That's the that's why white collar crimes are are difficult to bring down. Because white collar criminals also have access to really good lawyers and really good accountants and are very good about checking their all the boxes together. It's idiotic to hear any of these Democrats turn around and say that there's no smoking gun. And then for that reason, or you have not given specific evidence that that's it, you build a case. And the Department of Justice has not done that. They don't want to do that. The IRS whistleblowers came out and said they could have and they should have because those guys know how to bring down these multinational, international, criminal conspiracy, money laundering entities. They know how to do it. They're forensic experts. That's what they do. And they've said it's all here. If you just let us, we can expose all of it. But that's why the Department of Justice said, you're not allowed for that very reason. These Democrats infuriate me with their stupidity. They really do, their purposeful stupidity. 855 839 1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Okay, listen. Love my new Volvo. Absolutely love it. It's my favorite car yet. I'm driving the XC40. Brought back the S60 yesterday after my five-month lease was up. And I'm, I'm so glad I'm in the XC40. This is a beautiful, beautiful SUV. And I've driven the XC40, the XC60, and Bridget has the XC90. And I'm telling you, this one's my favorite. It is fast. It's spacious. It's sporty. It's got all the latest technology. It's everything you could want in a vehicle. Best part is, right now at Cherry Hill Volvo, you can have big savings off of... The XC60, the XC40, or the XC90 at Cherry Hill Volvo. Now, look, I'm going to tell you about this lease program that I was in called Care by Volvo. Every five months, you're eligible to get a new Volvo or cancel the lease altogether, or you can keep the lease you have. It's great. It gives you all kinds of flexibility with one payment, which includes your insurance, prepaid schedule maintenance, tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, and so much more. And right now, if you use Volvo financing, you're going to get an extra $2,500 in cash at Cherry Hill Volvo, cash Bonuses when you lease or purchase a new XC40 or XC90 from Cherry Hill Volvo with Volvo financing, and if you're a Costco member, save even more. Judith Krupnick, Yosef Cohen, the entire team at Cherry Hill Volvo. When you purchase a certified 2020, 2021, or 2022 XC40, XC60, or XC90, you're going to get an additional fifteen hundred dollars off. Incredible savings and incredible treatment by my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Please don't go to just any Volvo dealership; they're not all the same. Cherry Hill Volvo stands with us. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios, and they will work to give you the absolute best price for that Volvo, and you're going to love driving it just like I do. So go see them today. They're right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, the easiest, most accessible Volvo dealership in our region, and the only one that stands with us the studio naming rights partner, Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter.
18: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? As
22: we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at hero.co
25: The
3: Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app.
4: All right. One point four billion dollars. That's the news that the uh, city of New York and other cities like it could have to shell out one point four billion dollars on local hotels for migrants over three years. The public needs to see how every penny of that is going to be spent. This is from the New York Post editorial board. An absurd $1.4 billion migrant hotel tab should force politicians to scrap right to shelter. Now. The immigration issue is obviously a huge, huge mess. It's a crisis. It's a crisis by design. The Democrats are doing it on purpose. I've told you this. I've spent a lot of time on this with you. There is a 96-year-old, this is a terrible, terrible story, a 96-year-old veteran who was kicked out of a nursing home to make way for migrant housing. 95-year-old Frank Tamaro blasted the handling of the situation as disgraceful. Ninety five year old Korean war vet said he was given less than two months notice to figure out where he was going to live after the nursing home he resided in was sold to become a facility for undocumented migrants. He joined Representative Nicole Malatakis in New York, a vocal critic of the handling of all this, and said, the thing I'm annoyed about is how they did it. It was very disgraceful what they did to the people in island shores. That's the assisted living facility that he is in. It's a mess. And uh, it's a mess by design, by the way. It's a mess by design. No question about it. Here is New York Governor Kathy Hochul. You're going to get a big but coming out of this. But here's Kathy Hochul talking about the Statue of Liberty. But take a listen.
1: We have been welcoming. We have been gracious. We have been supportive. But we have to point out the fact and make sure that people coming across the border who think there are plentiful hotel rooms and services in New York City We hit our capacity, so we're asking other areas to embrace these individuals, but we're not going to compromise who we are as a state with the Statue of Liberty in our harbor. So that's what I want to be clear about. That's important. We'll retain that, but we just need a slowing right now to help us manage the people who've already come and let people know it's not the way it was a year ago. We're at capacity.
4: So, we have a statue of liberty, but uh, she's closed. So, don't bother coming here, okay? All right? Look at her, but don't come here. Now, let's contrast that with what AOC, another dumb AOC clip uh, about the number of immigrants coming to New York City. All right? Now, remember, my grandfather came here through Ellis Island. He was nine years old when he left Italy. He left Caivano, Italy, a little town outside of Naples, when he was just a boy. Many, 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 many years ago. There was a time in America when we wanted immigrants to come from all over the world. There were de- different periods of immigration where the United States wanted people to come here. That was one of those times, as a matter of fact. Uh, this time right now, we're not dealing with people coming through Ellis Island. We're dealing with people coming illegally over the southern border. My grandfather came here legally, like a lot of other families. Uh, most of us these days, a lot of us, especially in this part of the country, we have, we have family members who came here from the boat, as they say, off the boat, you know? And maybe some of you have uh, family members who came here off the Mayflower, but you know my grandpa came here off the boat from Italy. This is AOC with another stupid comment. And just keep in mind what the governor of New York said. I know we have the Statue of Liberty there, Ellis Island's there, but we're closed. We're at capacity here. Cut twenty
23: numbers of when it comes to people coming to New York City today are nothing. I'm telling you, nothing compared to the daily amounts of people that we saw coming in from through Ellis Island in the first half of this
4: century. Oh, it's so dumb.
23: You know, more than 12 million immigrants.
4: You know what it's like? I'll tell you what this is like. This is like saying the British coming here today are nothing like when they came in 1812 and burned down the White House And, and which I never will forgive them for, by the way. But the British who come here today, they're nothing like that. They're not like that at all. And it's so stupid to compare that to that time back then. It's beyond stupid, but it doesn't matter. I can't take her anymore. That's enough. I've exceeded my AOC capacity for one day. Here is uh, Democrat Representative Ayanna Presley, another genius member of the squad, with Jake Tapper emphatically stating the border's secure. Cut 17.
16: Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, our, our border is secure. And we're in the midst of a humanitarian crisis, and we have to fix a broken system. Wait, and we is, also you think it is secure?
24: Government. You think the border is secure? Or it is not secure?
16: I believe that we are in the midst of a humanitarian crisis, and there needs to be federal investment to support those migrant families. And I work with a number of those community-based organizations on the ground, and they need more support. They need more federal support. This is a humanitarian crisis, and it's the consequence of a number of longstanding uh, broken policies uh, that um, you know are very consequential for asylum seekers, uh, TPS holders, and DACA recipients uh, writ large. But that is a conversation for another day.
24: Sure, I, I don't, I don't disagree with with you, you, this being a humanitarian crisis at all. But just to get some clarity on this, and, and sure, it's a conversation for another day. But are, do you think that the border is secure? I just, do, is that what you said?
16: Yes, the border is secure, and we are in the midst of a humanitarian crisis that has been created by a broken system. And in the meantime, uh, we need federal investment to support uh, my constituents and those who call the MA7th home writ large, which is why we need to prevent a government shutdown. Um, I want to center the humanity, uh, the dignity, the safety and the needs of everyone. Okay,
4: okay. let me just jump in here for a second. How did how did how did did this humanitarian crisis? How did we create this humanitarian crisis? People coming to the border, crossing the border illegally because the border is not secure. That's the only humanitarian crisis that, that, that we've created is that we're not securing the border. Jake Tapper, to his credit, tries to explain to this idiot Congresswoman Ayanna Presley why she's wrong to insist the border is secure. Cut 18. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying
24: except for the idea that the border is secure. I mean, if you have people crossing the border, it's just by definition not secure. If you have people coming to the United States, in fact, I mean, one of the arguments being made, and I think it's an argument worth considering, is that because our border is so porous, Millions of people make this very unsafe journey. Millions of people give money to people who prey on them, coyotes, and take them on these journeys to cross into the United States, preying on them, vulnerable people. And that's because the border is not secure. Because it is not secure, they go on this journey. And one of the arguments that is made, and maybe you disagree with it, is that the border should be secure so as to discourage people from making this journey Um, so that if people want to try to come to the United States and declare asylum and seek asylum they go through the proper corridors uh, and not just try to cross illegally but it just seems like just such a a refusal to acknowledge reality just to say that the border is secure when we all know millions of people are crossing the border illegally every year
16: Jake and and that is a consequence of a number of things. Um, we have uh, climate refugees, people that have been dista- disabled in, in regions that are destabilized um, by extreme weather events. Sure.
4: <laughs> sure. Climate change. <laughs> They're coming across the border because of climate change. Obviously. We have climate change, Jake. Sure. Uh, Hank Johnson's back. I got to play that moron, uh, that, that that mental genius. Uh, but let me first tell you about the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, because uh, it's, uh, it's always hot in Cape May. And we're going to have a great time there. Friday, October 13th. Our next live show, Friday, October 13th. And I'm excited for this. And you have your own special code now that you can use to make your reservation. No, I'm not making a reservation for you. You have to do it Yourself, but you use my name, Zeoli. Zeoli, when you call the Grand Hotel of Cape May or when you go to grandhotelcapemay.com. Use my name Zioli, you're gonna save 15% off midweek stays. And you're gonna see exactly why I call it my happy place. The delicious food at Hemingway's restaurant, the indoor heated pool, the arcade room, the fitness center, wonderful people, beautiful rooms, suites, and townhomes. It's all there for you at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. My happy place. I absolutely love it there. Uh, and when you use my name Zeoli, you save 15% off midweek stays. So book your reservation now that code is good till the end of the year you can go whenever you want and make sure you put it on your calendar right now it's uh two Fridays from tomorrow October 13th live show last one for a while we're not back again till December so you don't want to miss this one okay it's gonna be a lot of fun the weather's still beautiful in Cape May too this time of year it really is the crowds are gone but the weather's great and the restaurants you can get good reservations and all the sites the wineries the brewery it's all there for you in Cape May, New Jersey. And the Grand Hotel is where you want to stay. GrandHotelCapeMay.com, promo code ZIOLI.
3: Thanks for listening to the ZIOLI Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
4: Okay, listen, here's the deal. Uh, we are almost at a place now in time where I can tell you that, um, you know, my political predictions are... Almost always spot on. Uh, I just went to the front page of the Drudge Report and they have a whole thing about Glenn Youngkin jumping in the race for president. Uh, I gave you my thoughts on that. I'll give you a little more in the six o'clock hour about what I think Young Youngkin should do, which is not run. Um, But anyway, uh, Hank Johnson is an idiot and he is um, the dumbest member of uh, the House of Representatives. He really is. And that's a bold statement because you have a lot of idiots in the House of Representatives. You really do. A lot of dummies there. We're talking about 425 members, and of that, a a, a solid, a solid 150. Pure morons, right? Wouldn't you agree, Matt DeSantis? A good, easy 150.
11: (laughs) Yeah, I I think that might be low. Might be low. That's a conservative estimate.
4: It's a conservative estimate. And of that 150, 50 are solid, super, super duper morons. (laughs) Like super villain morons. And, and then of that 50, Hank Johnson is the number one. It's like, you know, when they say like the 50 and you have to keep clicking and it's clickbait. Yeah. Uh, he's number one. Eventually you just get to him. It's number one. Hank Johnson. You're like, oh yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah, he's a dumbass. He's my favorite he's the one on the, congressman though. He's your favorite. Mine yes. too. He's the one that said, predicted that uh, Guam would tip over because of climate change. <laughs> and that all the Navy boats would sink. Yes. Uh, well, now he's uh, weighing in on the border. Uh, Take a listen.
2: People are breaking the rules, paying a criminal organization to do so to get to the front of the line. Does that concern you? Have
20: you ever been to the border before to see what's happening?
2: Yes, I have. I've spent a lot of time at the border, yeah. You
20: didn't talk with the right people, apparently, because your information, your questions based on, uh, you know, your questions are kind of off base.
4: (laughs) So, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. She's not talking to the right people down there. So. Can, you know. can we listen to him talk about helium equity? Can we listen to him talk about Guam
11: too? I, ha- I have Guam. I have helium equity. I have all his greatest hits. Him talking about the tooth fairy.
4: Well, well wait. But, well, we started with the tooth fairy today, so I mean, whatever you want to play, cycle. dealer's choice, Matt all right, Desantis. Let's start with
11: the tooth fairy. We'll bring it uh, full circle here.
20: <laughs> sure. Believe that the insurrection of January sixth was not an insurrection. It was just a, a tourist visit. And they want you to believe that the tooth fairy is woke and anti-Christian. And they also want you to believe that they will find something incriminating in Hunter Biden's laptop.
4: By the way, I've long said the tooth fairy is woke. In fact, she left a a book under my, um, she left genderqueer under my daughter's pillow the other night, which I thought was outrageous.
11: Outrageous. Right, here's the one that he's most famous for. This is him warning uh, that Guam may capsize.
7: This is an uh, island that at its widest level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore. And at its smallest level uh, or, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, seven miles uh, uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? Uh, I don't have the exact uh,
21: dimensions but uh, to your point sir I think Guam is a small island. Very small
7: island and about 24 miles if I recall long so 24 miles long about seven miles wide at the least widest place on the island and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. <laughs> uh, we don't anticipate that. <laughs>
4: The, the greatest, though, is his response. Well, you know, we don't anticipate that um, I, I, because it's, well, it's, it's, it's an idiotic thing. To, but then again, you are the dumbest congressman. So um, I don't know if we can squeeze in helium equity. I don't know. Can we do it? Henry, how much time do we have? I got 30 seconds. Right,
11: 30 se- wait, this is about 30 seconds. We, All right, go we ahead. can make it
20: work. This Tea Party Congress will make the tough choice to keep children's birthday parties on schedule and give industries that rely on helium the lift that they deserve. Imagine Mr. Speaker, a world without balloons. How can we make sure that the injustice of there being no helium for
4: Can I just make a point? Why don't we put balloons on Guam? And it could be like that movie Up. (laughs) If the island starts to capsize, they'll just lift the whole island up and just float around. (laughs) You solved this problem boom. That's called bringing it all together. It's what I do. Alright, fourth and final hour coming up. Debate, impeachment, so much more to talk about. Uh, Trump speaks last night in Michigan, but first NJ Diet's going to help you lose weight. You don't want to take shots the rest of your life. You don't want to take these pills, all these side effects you keep hearing about. No. What you want to do is lose weight the natural way. The The way that's guaranteed the NJ Diet way. NJDiet.com Guarantee weight loss of 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. That's right, 40 days time with NJ diet. You know why it works because it's based on your biochemistry. It's all natural and you learn positive strategies to eat and keep the weight off for good. That's why it works. And there's an NJ diet near you. King of Prussia, Cherry Hill, Newark, Delaware and Princeton. We're online at njdiet.com with live online consultations. Look, this is the time to start thinking about this. It's fall. You know, everybody's bulking up for the holidays before you know it, right? Tailgates and, and games and everything else. You will be looking and feeling your best. So healthy, just as everybody else is packing on the pounds. Do it now. NJDiet.com. The sooner you start, the sooner you lose the weight. Guaranteed, contractually guaranteed weight loss of 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. 855-5NJ-DIET. 855-5NJ-DIET or NJDiet.com and lose the weight for good.
3: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
4: Well, the fallout from the debate continues last night. The chaos in Philadelphia continues probably tonight. This is our fourth and final hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here today. Big show, a lot of coverage, of course, of the Hunter Biden, or excuse me, Joe Biden, Joe Biden impeachment inquiry uh, with the Democrats, of course, uh, whining and complaining as I covered with you a lot today on the show. Uh, It was really kind of chaos. I mean, you know, they're such hypocrites, too. They really are. When it comes to impeaching Donald Trump, they're all in, there's no procedure, There's no. they don't care, there's no vote, they justify everything. With, with Joe Biden, it's, oh, we need this rule checked and that rule checked and everything else. But, you know, look, I mean, here's the bottom line. This is all about letting the American people know that Joe Biden's corrupt. Not that they really need to, though. I mean, you remember what James Carville said yesterday on the show? You got 75% of Democrats, roughly, who don't want Joe Biden to be the candidate. That's not good. I mean, that's just not good. Yeah, you know, I mean, like as Republicans, I, I'm pretty sure that as much as the debate was painful last night at various different points, I'm sure that if any of those people were the candidate, you, you, you'd support them. <clears throat> you may not be happy about it, but and there's certainly some you want more than others. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, they're still going to be better than than uh, Biden or the Democrats uh but for the democrats i mean they don't want joe biden i mean they do not want this guy that's a bad place to be if you're them if you ask me that's a that's a bad place to be if you're joe biden going into re-election and something else to think about too which is that in everything we talk about on the show all day every day remember what what democrats are saying privately to themselves i mean they're all saying well you know like it, like, who's going to who's going to give him the word? And he's got to step aside for Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or whoever. I mean, who's who's going to ultimately make this happen for him? Who's going to ultimately get this guy out of the race? This is the kind of stuff they're thinking about. They're thinking about this. How do we get rid of Joe Biden? That's what that's what the Democrats are thinking at this moment. How do we get rid of Joe Biden? So as as frustrating as parts of the debate last night were, and they certainly were some frustrating moments uh, all the candidates have their own unique qualities that make them at least appealing to uh, who if they were to ever pull off the general election. I mean, the, the primary. I, I still don't think any of them overcome Donald Trump. I, I told you this before. I think his lead is insurmountable at this point. Uh, did Ron DeSantis show that he can knock off Trump last night? No, but he survived. He lived to fight another night. I think that bringing up his military experience was smart. Bringing up the fact that he served the country was was smart of him. He lives to fight another day. I got to tell you, I, I am I am not a fan of Nikki Haley. I am just not. I mean, I think she's she she's a warmonger. I really. I get frustrated by the way she goes on with this kind of attitude of, uh, you know, the United States has to be the aggressor here with China, and and I I, I don't know. I just I, I to me she represents a different bygone era of the Republican Party, and good for Tim Scott for confronting her. I mean, she appointed Tim Scott to the Senate, so a lot of people wondered, you know, is Tim Scott going to actually go there with Nikki Haley? But you know, he did, and uh, and good for him for doing so because it's important that. Um, You know, I I mean, as loyal as you may be to her, she's still running for president. You're running for president. You have an obligation to go after her record. So that was really important. As far as the impeachment goes today, uh, the beginning of, uh, of Joe Biden's uh, downfall, there's no doubt that the guy's corrupt. There's no doubt the guy's dirty. It's just a matter of proving it. Obviously, as the Republicans know, they have to try to prove this in the court of public opinion. They're not going to be able to prove it in a court of law because there's never going to f- see a court of law. The Democrats have no interest in, in pursuing justice here. The Department of Justice is corrupt, so they're not going to pursue justice here. That's the bottom line. And, you know, I think, I think Comer letting people know all of these things that he did today is very, very important. This is from Chairman Comer's opening today at the impeachment inquiry. Take a listen.
18: January, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee has uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. For years, President Biden has lied to the American people about his knowledge of and participation in his family's corrupt business schemes. At least 10 times, Joe Biden lied to the American people that he never spoke to his family about their business dealings. He lied by telling the American people that there was an absolute wall between his official government duties and his personal life. Let's be clear. There was no wall. The door was wide open to those who purchased what a business associate described as the Biden brand. Evidence reveals that then-Vice President Joe Biden spoke, dined, and developed relationships with his family's foreign business targets. These business targets include foreign oligarchs who sent millions of dollars to his family. It also includes a Chinese national who wired a quarter of a million dollars to his son. Joe Biden also lied to the American people about his family making money in China. He continued to lie about it even when the House Oversight Committee uncovered bank wires. Revealing how the Bidens received millions from Chinese companies with significant ties to Chinese intelligence and the Chinese Communist Party. Just this week, we uncovered two additional wires sent to Hunter Biden that originated in Beijing from Chinese nationals. This happened when Joe Biden was running for president of the United States and Joe Biden's home is listed as the beneficiary address. To date, the House Oversight Committee has uncovered how the Bidens and their associates created over 20 shell companies, most of which were created when Joe Biden was vice president and raked in over $20 million between 2014 and 2019. We've also identified nine Biden family members who have participated in or benefited from these shady business schemes. Now, what were the Bidens selling to make all this money? Access. Joe Biden himself. Joe Biden is the brand, and Joe Biden showed up at least two dozen times with business targets and associates sending signals of access, influence, and power to those prepared to pay for it. The American people demand accountability for this culture of corruption. They demand to know how these schemes have compromised President Biden and threatened our national security. They demand safeguards to be put in place to prevent public officials from selling access to their public office for private gain. Under the leadership of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, House Republicans have now opened an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. By opening an impeachment inquiry, our investigation is now focused on whether President Biden engaged in impeachable offenses. Oh, and
4: by the way, I, I should mention something as well. You, heard, you know what you heard, you heard a lot about today from, in particular, Jamie Raskin, but, but all the Democrats. We are four hours away from a government shutdown. We're 40 hours away from a government shutdown. We're 65 hours away from a government shutdown. As if they can't do multiple things at once. And 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 by the way, keeping the government open or making sure the government functioned properly, of course, was never a priority when Donald Trump was president. Obviously, we know that. But let's think about this, though. With all of this smoke around Joe Biden, isn't it appropriate for Congress to have an inquiry into this? I think so. It's appropriate for Congress to have an inquiry because the Congress has a, a fiduciary responsibility here to make sure that the president is not compromised. It's not about what he did in the past. It's about who has him on the hook now. I can't stress that enough. It's not about necessarily what he did in the in the in in the past. It is about who has the president in their sights. Who? How is he compromised? China, Russia, et cetera, et cetera. All of these issues. I mean, Ukraine. Are we in the Ukraine war because Joe Biden is owned wholly and subsidized by Ukraine? I, I think we have a right to know that. We have a right to know all of these things. The American people have a right to know, and the Congress has an opportunity and an obligation, I would argue, to turn around and get to the bottom of this. Because these are serious foreign policy questions that are that are arising right now because of the president of the United States. And if there's even a an iota that the guy is compromised and that that is driving our policy decisions here, that is what's what's driving us being in Ukraine, for example, or Russia. We, we have to know about it. We have to know it. we have a responsibility to know about it before this gets even worse. So I'm glad they're doing this. I think it's important to do. I, I, I know that, you know, it may not go anywhere. And I know that in some ways they're playing with fire here, but I think, I think they have to go down this road. Let's keep going here.
18: The U.S. Constitution, it empowers Congress elected by the people to continue providing the answers, transparency and accountability that the American people demand and deserve. In recent history, Democrats inflicted much damage on the credibility of congressional investigations by peddling the Russian collusion hoax. Exactly, exactly. this committee, under this majority, will not pursue such witch hunts based on manufactured allegations, innuendo, and no real evidence. Today, the House Oversight Committee will examine over two dozen pieces of evidence revealing Joe Biden's corruption and abuse of public office. This includes emails, text messages, bank records, and testimony of Biden Business Associates. We will hear from legal and financial experts about this evidence and crimes that may have been committed as Joe Biden was sold around the world. The House Oversight Committee along with the committees on the Judiciary and Ways and Means will continue to follow the money and the evidence to pr- provide accountability so that Americans know their public offices are not for sale. I now yield to Jason Smith, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee for. What's wrong?
4: What's wrong with that? With with knowing that the United States of America is not for sale? What's what's the problem with that? Why do why do people on the left have an issue with that? And I think I think we know what the answer is. They have it. They have a problem with it because they know that Joe Biden's for sale and that Joe Biden was for sale. This is the reason. I mean, this is the reason why they don't want to continue with this. Otherwise, why not, why not go out there and say, listen, knock yourself out. You want to go down this road? All you're going to do is vindicate Joe Biden. All you're going to do is show the world that Joe Biden is the, is the most honest, decent guy. Knock yourself out. Have fun. Do your thing. Why are they so afraid of having this investigation? Why are they so afraid of having this inquiry? Obviously, they know what the results are going to be. They know that Joe Biden's corruption is going to be something they can't explain. And that that on top of the fact that the economy stinks and the guy is a, is a feeble old man who needs sneakers to get around. I mean, the guy's wearing sneakers. He falls upstairs. All of these things together add up to the fact that they know that this is this is only going to be horrible for Joe Biden, which is why they're protesting so much. You know, the old say it's the old Shakespeare quote, Ophelia doth protest too much. Yeah, well, Ophelia is protesting big time here, big time. And Ophelia protesting because Ophelia knows that if they go down this road, it's going to prove what everybody knows about Joe Biden. Of course, Joe Biden is corrupt. Of course, Joe Biden is compromised internationally. And if not, why don't the Democrats just sit around and go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, sounds circumstantial. Uh Uh-huh, Hunter Biden, uh uh-huh. But instead, all they're doing is just trying to stop the proceedings from going forward. Oh, you know, I should also mention uh, today during the proceedings as they uh, took a break, uh, Glenn Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin was on TV on Fox News today talking about uh, his potential prospects for 2024. And the Washington Post has a story. The push for Glenn Youngkin is not a fantasy this is what I told you last night. I said, you know, Ron DeSantis is running out of runway here. He's he's got to either prove to the faction of the Republican Party that simply does not want Donald Trump and is going to do anything they possibly can to stop him. He's got to prove to them that he can stop Trump. And that's got to be reflected in poll numbers soon or these people who write big checks, they're all going to go shopping for somebody else. That's what's going to happen. And maybe Yunkin's their guy. I mean, look, if I'm if I'm advising Yunkin, I'm telling him to take a take a hard pass on this. Take a hard pass. Trump's going to be the nominee. It's just it's 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 too it's too far gone, and all he's going to do is hurt himself. That's just again, I'm calling balls and strikes here. I like Glenn Youngkin a lot. I think Glenn Youngkin's got a bright future. I don't know if Ron DeSantis still has a bright future because he got into this into this mess right now, and as a consequence of that, can he recover? I don't know. You know, I don't know. He's made a lot of people upset by running. He's uh, he's shown that that whatever whatever aura around him in Florida doesn't doesn't potentially translate on the national stage. So that's not good. You know what I mean? Glenn Youngkin, it's kind of the same. He's got this air about him, this mystique about him. He won in Virginia. He's doing all these great things on education. Education is the issue of our time. Yes, but Trump is so far out there that unless Glenn Youngkin can come into Donald Trump's lead he's going to wind up in the exact same position. So I think, I think all of these things become factors here that you have to take into account if you're a guy like Glenn Youngkin. And again, it's nothing personal. I like him very much. I like DeSantis very much. But I'm, I'm also able to look at the political reality of the situation and the political reality of the day. And the people that get paid to advise these guys, they're, they're not doing that because they want their paychecks to keep running running in. That's what they want. They want the paychecks to keep coming in. Just to, to my point, though, by the way, about Jamie Raskin and and, and the Ophelia Duff protest too much. Raskin went on today and said Republicans have no smoking gun, no evidence of potential wrongdoing. Well, if that's the case, then what are you worried about, huh? What what are you what are you what are you worried about? I think that one of the great assistants, one of the great um, witnesses today, former Assistant Attorney General Eileen O'Connor, uh, who said this. Sorry, go ahead, Eileen O'Connor. Oh, it's Hang on, we got a little, it's, it's spinning. It's doing the spin thing that it does. Anyway, I'll just read it. The Hunter Biden investigation must not be viewed in isolation, rather as part of a broad landscape of corruption. Exactly right. A broad landscape of corruption. And she's exactly right. Exactly right. I will say that I thought DeSantis's best moment last night was when he came out against the war in Ukraine. That and talking about his military service. There are way too many Warhawks on that stage, way too many neocons on that stage. Even, you know, broke my heart to listen to Tim Scott talk about it. Uh, I just, you know, I think that their party does not want this. I think it was smart for DeSantis to say what he said last night in the debate regarding Ukraine. I think it was a good move for him to do so. And remember something, in everything we're talking about here, with all these conversations about, about Ukraine and, 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 and the funding for Ukraine, you have to ask yourself, what does the average working man and woman want here? What do they want to do? Do they want to continue down the road of Ukraine? Do they want to continue seeing their tax dollars go to Ukraine? Do they want to continue seeing this? Or have they said enough is enough? I, 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 I think it's very obvious where the party is. The party right now, the grassroots of the party, does not want Ukraine. Doesn't want to pay for Ukraine. And just simply doesn't want it. And I think that if you if you break it down like that, very, very simply, and you talk to the average person on the street, they say that they may feel bad for Ukraine. They may root for Ukraine. Does that mean they want their money going to Ukraine? Does that mean they want this to be an endless war that could potentially involve the United States of America that could eventually potentially now possibly involve our our sons and daughters? We don't know how far this goes. We don't know the escalation that happens in all this. We have no idea. And that's the problem, is we don't know. And we, we don't have any direction from the commander-in-chief. We don't have Congress voting on anything. We don't have these things. So for for the Republican Party base to turn around and say, you know, get us out of Ukraine is, is a smart move. And when DeSantis said that last night, he said, you know, politicians have sent money to pay bureaucrats pensions and salaries in Ukraine. It is in our interest to end this war, and that's what I will do as president. Meanwhile our country is being invaded, DC elites don't care. It's what it's what Trump has said too about Ukraine. Now early on DeSantis flip-flopped on this issue and I think it's a problem for him. But it, you know, if I'm Chris Christie, if if I'm if I'm Chris Christie, then what I think I think what you do right now is you turn around and you say I'm going to run for US Senate in New Jersey. The question that was asked is if is the if the candidate for US Senate next time were Democrat Robert Menendez or Republican Chris Christie, who would you vote for? Christie actually beats Menendez in New Jersey. I know. And he's not particularly popular there either. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I think that you should really think about it. Um, if, if I were him, all right, we got a lot more to talk about. I'll tell you what the latest of the chaos in Philadelphia, by the way, just a uh, programming note. I was on the, uh, lovely and talented Tudor Dixon's podcast. You should definitely check it out. Subscribe to her podcast and like it. I was on there with her for about a half an hour. Uh, we talked about a lot of things and, uh, it was a lot of fun. We'll be right back.
26: Tacovas is a terrific boot brand and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. but they've innovated on comfort, style and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media, and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and point your toes west.
14: I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day The big tournament or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Cioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
4: All right. as we continue along the show here today, Philly mayoral candidate Sherelle Parker said, those behind the break-ins and vandalism should be held accountable. Of course, she's also going on about police accountability. So, uh, we will see what happens in the Philadelphia mayoral race. David Owe also issuing a statement saying as mayor, he would prevent criminal violations before they occur. Uh, That's what needs to happen. And then after they occur, we need to have tough prosecutions. That's exactly what needs to occur. And that's not what's going to happen here in Philadelphia. Mark my words. These People will get off, no doubt about it. Uh, speaking of Batman analogies, you know, I, I said yesterday I brought up the Dark Knight and also the Batman, which is a lesser Batman movie, still better than Ben Affleck's Batman, of course. But I brought those up uh, today uh, during the uh, impeachment hearing. Jamie Raskin actually brought up the Dark Knight as well. Elon Musk says America is going full Joker after watching people loot stores in Philadelphia. America is going full Joker. So remember, it's not just me making the Batman analogies, all right? A lot of people are making the Batman analogies. Those were not protesters. Those were criminals, said the acting chief of police, the acting commissioner. No question about it. But um, when Elon Musk comes out and says, quote, America is going full Joker, he said, that you, you know it's a problem. I mean, you know it is. And everybody's seen it. Everybody's talking about it. We, we are the subject of international conversation right now because of what happened. We are the subject of international conversation because of the chaos and the lawlessness on the streets of Philadelphia. It really is. It's just absolutely so insane and frustrating what continues to happen in the city of Philadelphia. And what's going to happen tonight? I mean, we don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen tonight in Philadelphia. We have no idea if Meatball is going to be out after making her her $25,000 bond. And again, I'm going to remind you, don't look at the bathtub video. Don't look at the the uh, the video of that. There was more crime last night. Video of looting that occurred at GameStop at Broad and Glenwood. Looters broke the front door glass and entered the Action store before police I arrived. I
16: apologize for it. And if it's God's will and the people elect me mayor of.
4: I mean, it was it was absolutely. It was that Cheryl Parker. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Don't don't worry about playing it. It's OK. Uh, Anthony Abner was arrested for looting at Rite Aid at 2100 West Lehigh Avenue. Philly Crime Update has a lot of great stuff on this. And uh, a lot of people were wearing black hoodies and jeans last night as people were coming out to loot again the second night in Philadelphia. Fine wine and good spirits liquor store ransacked second night in a row of looting. The safe was taken and a lottery machine was raided. No arrests were made. Juveniles are on the move. This is this is the city of Philadelphia. And I, I was thinking about it last night in the presidential debate, and when you talk about crime, right, when you think about crime being the issue, lawlessness being the issue, a lot of this really does come down to the border situation. It really does. A lot of this comes down to the border situation. And w- what amazes me is that you have Democrats who are so, I think, purposely clueless because they like what's happening down there. They like what's happening and what's going on. Uh, Representative Ariana Pressley is another one. She's a member of the squad. She's a lunatic. She's a kook. She was on with Jake Tapper insisting by the way, our border is secure, insisting this because they want that to be the reality. They know they really do. They want that to be the reality here. They want to tell everybody that, Hey, you know, the border secure and everything that's happening right now is all in your head. It's all in your head, please. The border is secure. Yeah. I think that these people live in a different reality than you and I, I really do. They, they, they live in a different reality than, than, than the reality that you and I occupy. There's no way you can actually sit there with a straight face and say the border is secure. You can't. You can't possibly think that unless you want to say that. I mean, I mean, that's what Alejandro Mayorkas says. He says that the border is secure. They're all saying this stuff. Why are they saying this? Because they want people to believe this. And you've got all these stores now shutting their doors in places across the country. Target is shuttering stores in San Francisco, Portland, New York City, and other Democrat-run cities. Why? Locations are closing due to crime. That's right, due to crime. They're closing due to crime because everybody has said enough is enough. We talk about it on this show every day. Sometimes I feel like it's a broken record. But at the very same time that this is happening, you know as well as I do that Democrats are okay with all this lawlessness. That's what I was going on about yesterday. I mean, that's what I was really saying last night. If you want to systemically destroy this country, if you want to destroy this country, this is how you do it. This is exactly the way you do it. This is the way you do it. You, 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 you destroy America from, from the inside out. That's how you do it. Um, President Trump said, you know, I risked it all to defend the working class from the corrupt political class sucking the life out of this country. He said that last night as he was giving a rally in Michigan during the Republican debate, which, by the way, I think was very, very smart of him to skip that.
17: Uh, U.A.W. members and proud patriots of the great state of Michigan. Great state. Great people. Here in Michigan and across the country tonight, there are countless thousands of auto workers and skilled tradesmen worried about the future and what the future holds for themselves and for their incredible families. I want to begin this evening by saluting these truly great Americans who do not get the credit they deserve. You don't get the credit they deserve. Now they want to go electric and put you all out of business exactly bingo that's
4: it to the welders, line
17: workers machine operators, forklift drivers pipe fitters, tool and die makers (laughs) mechanics, electricians technicians and journeymen we love being with you and we love being with you right in your environment you built this country, you love this country and you are the ones that make our country run you know that right Before I stepped into the political arena seven years ago, I spent my whole life working alongside of Americans, just like you spent a lot of time with you. You just don't know that, but I spent a lot of time with you and people just like you. Now I put everything on the line to fight for you. I've risked it all to defend the working class from the corrupt political class that has spent decades sucking the life, wealth, and blood out of this country.
4: I think it's really important that he talks about the EVs and goes after that and says and, and, and announces all these people. I mean, he's the working class candidate, he's the billionaire populist. That's his specialty, that's his special sauce. That's his special sauce. That's what he stands for. And it's what he does a very, very good job of, 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 ad- of addressing directly the working men and women of this country. He also said last night, I'm going to pull troops out from countries that don't buy our products. Wow. Listen to that. I will then go far to far every... Pro- oh, wait. Hang on a second. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Th-
17: there. The military defense, as I was doing before. <laughs> and tell them that if they do not massively increase their... Purchases of Ford, Chevys, GMs, and Jeeps, our troops are packing up and we're coming home. You gotta buy our products. You gotta buy our products. That's gonna be the least of it. And if we can afford to send hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine, then we can afford to have an auto industry that pays our workers a good living wage and keeps our workers working. Having a vibrant car industry is far more important than almost anything we can do for a very important thing called national security. We need a rebirth of loyalty in this country to that end. We will bring back a very beautiful word, protection, financial protection. You're going to be protected financially while we still have the power to do it. You know, there's a run on
4: I mean, you know, that's the thing is that uh, the the issue of fighting for these workers uh, is, is absolutely what separates Trump apart and why so many of them who had voted Democrat in the past now want to vote Republican. The politics of this, particularly in this subset, union workers that I think both parties have been fighting over, uh, you ran in 2020, you
5: know how this works. Um, do you think that it resonates? Do you think it's a problem for the administration? This is another example of creating or contributing to a problem and then trying to play politics with it. Uh, Look, uh, this technology is happening. It is coming. It is coming no matter what. The politics of this, particularly
14: in
4: this. He's talking about the EVs, of course. That's little Pete Buttigieg. You know, the technology is coming, it's happening. It doesn't have to happen. It really doesn't have to happen. I thought that Doug Burgum last night actually gave a great a great answer. Doug Burgum. I'm not exactly a Burgum bro, but I think Doug Burgum gave an excellent answer last night when he talked about EVs. And he went after the fact that they come from China. They're mined in China. China is winning this. China is destroying the earth with the mining for the electric batteries. I was like, whoa, listen to this guy. Listen to Doug Burgum. The Burgum Bros got to be fired up with him tonight. Fired up. But look, the reason why Trump is still is still eclipsing everybody is because he has that unique ability to engage with blue collar workers who used to vote Democrat and he's brought them over and they're not going back to the Democrat Party. Now when the Democrat Party stands out there and says, hey, listen, we're going to get rid of your jobs for EVs because we're all behind EVs and China and China building the batteries and everything else. So, you know, too too bad. You liked working? Well, listen, you can't have everything in life. You know, you like a job? Well, listen, you know what? We'll teach, you, we'll teach you to lay, lay pipe or cable or broadband or whatever the hell it is that they talk about. No, absolutely no question about it. What what The reason why Donald Trump is, is doing so well is because there, unfortunately, where other Republicans have not realized yet that in this Republican Party right now, in this moment, the answer is for them to appeal to the working men and women of this country. That's Trump's secret sauce. It's why he got the nomination in 2016. It's why he's going to get it again in 2024. We'll be right back.
3: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
4: Oh yeah, are you a Bergam bro now after last night? Are you a Bergam bro? I mean, he actually has no chance whatsoever. But I, I will say his answer last night on energy policies were uh, was excellent. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today, our fourth and final hour. And by the way, do you like being compared to a Nazi? Do you? Do you like being compared to Hitler? You do? Well, guess what? You're in luck. That's right, because it's only been... Minutes since the last time somebody compared you to a Nazi or to Hitler. That's if you're a Trump supporter. It's only been a few minutes. Well, you don't have to wait any longer. Because in a moment, I'm going to play you a clip from retired General Barry McCaffrey, who says Trump loyalists are a threat to the to the military. And this is just like Nazi Germany. These people are so original, are they not? But Bergam last night crushed it. And the, uh, the, the, the three times that he actually spoke, his point about uh, Biden's energy policies right, was actually a very, very good point last night. He would be an excellent uh, secretary of energy or something like that in, in, in Trump's cabinet. He really would. I mean, Doug Burgum's a smart guy. He does offer a lot. He's, he's zero chance he's going to become the nominee. I mean, 0.0, but he's a smart guy. He's got a lot to offer. I hope that they will utilize him uh, going forward. Of course, we're going to give Ukraine to Russia,
5: and then we're going to give Taiwan to China and think that's a foreign policy. That will make our nation less, less successful, make us more poor, and at the core of all that is energy policy because China imports 10 million barrels of oil a day. They're the largest import in the world, and we've had four cabinet members... From the Biden administration there this summer, and none of them talked about U.S. energy. The first one to go to each of those countries was Kerry to talk about the folly of the climate climate policy, which is making the world less stable. It's empowering dictators. It's not about climate change that we need worried about. It's about the Biden climate policies that are actually the existential threat to America's future. Thank you.
4: He's right about that point, too, and he went on a whole thing about EVs and and, and, and China and, and the, uh, the batteries and everything else. I mean, uh, it's a very, very good Point and he and he, and he said, "You look, you know, you got to treat you got to treat the American people like the customer. That's what needs to happen here. You got to treat them, treat the taxpayer like a customer, have a business minded approach to it. So, like I said, Doug Doug is not going to become the nominee, but Doug has a lot to uh, to offer." Uh, no question about it. He also said last night after the debate that morale is down because we defunded the police. He was talking about crime in this country. He said that after the debate in the in the spin room, as it's called. And he said, you know, we've got a problem here because cops a don't want to be one cops. One
5: person on stage myself, who's got, created more jobs than the other six people on stage. I've been making payroll since my mid 20s, longer than anybody else on the stage. So more private sector, that experience in the tech sector. And, where we talk, and then I'm leading an energy state that produces more energy than OPEC. We talk about about energy, I don't get an energy question. We talk about the economy, I don't get an economy question. And we, we talk about the border, and I'm the only one as a sitting governor that's actually got troops down there right now. I've been there more times than Biden, and I don't get asked that question. And then when I was a kid yeah. in 1989, and I was in China on the way back from setting up our operations in Australia, I go into a street market in China and our software is being pirated. A buck a disc, for five and a quarter, five and a quarter inch floppy when we were selling our software for $5,000. Yeah. And we talk about China and, and technology, and they're asking somebody else about TikTok as opposed to talking about the guy who's actually been battling China for three decades over IP. So we just want the American public to know that there's a choice up there. You don't have to pick a career politician, you can pick somebody who's done it in the private sector and who's then done it at the state level where we're actually getting the job done.
4: Well, they're not asking you questions, Doug, because you just don't have a chance of winning. That's the problem. You you just, you you know, so, I mean, get off the stage. I think a lot of these guys need to get off the stage. It's the bottom line. It was chaos last night, yelling at each other and yelling over each other and talking over each other. Um, It was just chaos. Uh, I should also mention to you that whenever— you know, if you're a Trump supporter, you get the Nazi card thrown at you. You get the Hitler card, the SS card. It's so incredibly annoying. But last night, Chris Hayes went all in, went all in. And he talked to you, retired U.S. General Barry McCaffrey, on Wednesday on MSNBC. I'm playing this so you could hear the nonsense that they say about you. So you know what the corporate media and NBC and the, and the, the scoundrels over there think about you, their fellow Americans. It's uh, it's not surprising, of course. It's actually what's the word for it? Um, Stale, tiresome. And they um, both cliche now. Um, General, let me let me just start with you and your reaction to just what we've seen in the last really, I mean, four or five days. You've got the Tuberville blockade. You've got the vote against the Joint Chiefs of Staff because he wants to mix. He talks about race and he wants to mix it in the military. You've got two people, Donald Trump, Paul Gosar, calling for the execution of Millie. You've got votes today successful in the House. This isn't just one person saying it. Two votes today, one vote that would successfully take the salary of Austin down to a dollar. What do you make of all this?
21: Well, first of all, I, I strongly endorse your opening comments. I think that was very sound, very objective. This is worth being extremely concerned about. During the, the follow-on to Trump's lost election, he actually made moves, which I said at the time, uh, to run a coup against the government of the United States. There's no question in my mind, he put a retired lieutenant colonel in SECDEF, sec sent a gang of people over there with him. Uh, Mark Milley and the, uh, the senior officers of the armed forces did swear an oath to the Constitution, and they wouldn't go along with it. So I think what we are seeing is a parallel— to the 1930s in Nazi Germany. There you go. I I don't say that's a Republican Party. That's 15 to 25 House members, a couple of senators, and all those who are Trump mega loyalists. This is a cult. It's a lawless cult. And it's a major threat to the armed forces of the United States and our security. It's shameful to talk about General Mark Milley. By the way, he's not going to be intimidated. You know, he's a prince and hostage player. He's a tough guy. He has years in combat. His mom and dad fought in World War II. Uh, but it's a shameful. You know, act. Th-
4: this is this is the thing. You know, the the war industrial complex here. If you don't agree with them, if you don't want to stay in Ukraine, if you don't want to be in Ukraine forever, if you don't want to give Ukraine every dollar, uh, it's Nazi Germany all over again. It's ironic because you know the Nazis in Ukraine had a little thing going on back then, which you know some people excuse because of the alliance that uh, they needed to form after Russia's brutal occupation of Ukraine. But regardless, I'm just saying that. It is ironic that you keep getting the Nazi card, the SS card, the Hitler card thrown your way because you want to have a guy in there who doesn't want to start World War Three. And and I, I just because all we night keep, long, we've we been talking seeing seeing about this. issues about how it's broken. We keep seeing all this. Shut up, Doug. We keep seeing all of these issues happening. And, and it's the same tired cliches over and over and over again. But, I, you know, it's not hurting Trump, obviously. And I think that deep down inside, MSNBC hopes he becomes the nominee. So does CNN. So does, so does Fox News. I mean, they all do. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I'm not saying that I... Look, if I were advising him, would I have told him to be on that stage last night? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It, he doesn't need to be on that stage. And, you know, you listen to Chris Christie, call him Donald Duck. You listen to Chris Christie, make his little snarky comments about him. And, and all that is fine. Oh, that's fine, but why would he be on the stage with people that he has 30, 40-point lead over? You know what I mean? What would, would it, really, uh, it, it would be political malpractice to advise him to be on that stage. It just would. It would be political malpractice to say to him, you should be on that stage. You should be on that stage with these other candidates. So, you know, Christie can make his snarky little comments, but it's not going to change anything. Donald Trump made the right decision to not be on that stage last night. Bottom line, bottom line, you know, if, if Donald Duck is, is who he wants to equate him to with that little smirk on his face, you know, so, so be it. You know what makes me think of Joe's Peking duck in Marlton? And, and actually after I heard that last night, I kept thinking to myself, man, maybe I will, maybe I'll actually be excited about going there and getting a little peeking duck from my, 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 buddy Jack at Joe's. That could be good, but that's all I thought about last night. And then, and, and Mike Pence needs to stop being Shecky. All right. With the jokes I'm sleeping with a teacher, like, psych, like stop, all right. Just stop with the jokes and and enough, you know what I mean? Enough. Just go out there and talk about what you want to talk about and and try to try to keep it a little serious, all right? A little on the up and up if you could do that for me. Before I get out of here, I also wanted to mention to you. You know, on on all these uh, these conversations we continue to have about the deep state and national security and everything else, let's not forget something that the, the Biden administration right now is still still in the tank with big tech. They're still in the tank together. And Miranda Devine's piece, which I touched on earlier in the show today, has everything about it. Google is still doing the censoring. The censorship is still real. They have not stopped. And the Biden administration is still pushing for net. Neutrality. They still want, quote unquote, net neutrality because they want the government to be able to control thoughts. Remember what's at stake here in Missouri v. Biden. What's at stake here is the idea that your thoughts are critical infrastructure and that they belong to the government of the United States of America. That is at the very heart of the conversation behind uh, Missouri v. Biden with the government censorship and the government pressuring big tech to censor your ideas and to censor your thoughts. So for at, at at no at 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 no point should you for a second think that um, think that th- th- this is going to stop because they love the control and they love the censorship. They love the censorship. Uh, the United States Senate, by the way, unanimously moved to reverse the Fetterman dress vote. That's the other big story of the day today. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's bid to appease man-boy, man-child John person lost to a revolt by a unanimous vote. A unanimous vote. John person will have to put on his big-boy clothes, his big-boy clothes, and actually dress up for the job. Isn't that something? John Fetterperson will have to actually put on a suit. Now, will he? Who knows? He may not. He still may defy everybody. But I'm just glad. I'm glad that some common sense decorum is back in the Senate. I really am. A unanimous decision led by Senator Joe Manchin and Mitt Romney led a bipartisan uprising to roll back the change, allowing the janitor... No disrespect to janitors, but, you know, I mean, you've seen all the memes yourself. Rocking the stash, wearing the hoodie, wearing the gym shorts and the sneakers. Now he has to put on big boy pants and actually dress up in a suit. And everybody else in the Senate also now has to dress up and put on a suit. So it's a big loss for the slob. A big loss for the slob of John person. And you know what? For that, I think it's a very, very happy note to end the show on tonight. The Great One Mark Levin is up next. Tomorrow's Friday. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. Have a great rest of your night. Continue to send me your thoughts of the debate last night. Again, I try to call balls and strikes. I, I try to give you my uh, my absolute, honest, uh, objective opinion on the candidates and i also try to do my best to observe reagan's 11th commandment thou shall speak no ill of fellow republicans with that said though um i, I can't help but make fun of doug bergham because and assad hutchinson and you know some of the others all right have a great rest of your night tonight we'll see you tomorrow thank you
3: rich the weekday afternoons three till seven talk radio twelve ten, WPHT, and on the free odyssey app